0: Sometimes you never know what's going to be asked of you. Like RJ, the other week, he was asking me, Hey, Jarrett, we're doing this episode about Michael Bay. What should I do? Should I watch these Transformers movies? Or should I watch these Puppet Master movies? And Jared's like, ah, for shits, you should watch that Puppet Master movie, that first one. It's, it's, it's so bad. Uh, get it out of the mm-hmm. way. This guy, he borrows this movie from me back in October to watch it for Halloween. He's had it for six months. And every couple weeks, I'm like, <laughs> RJ, when are you going to watch Puppet Master? RJ, when are you going to watch Puppet Master? Well, RJ watched Puppet Master, but he went a little above and beyond. And here mm. we are. We find ourselves in this situation we're about to record probably like the longest episode of our goddamn podcast uh, mm-hmm. we've ever done, because Puppet Master wasn't enough. We had to go full moon.
1: Well, there's a series of events that led us to this day. So you you described briefly what happened. What you left out was all the uh, the personal uh, attacks you had on me for borrowing your movies for so long the um the threats uh the things i found on my doorstep the things that were dead you know the messages all of the these negative things uh you demanding your movies back um and so you let me this thing this puppet master dvd uh but it wasn't just puppet master it had puppet master one through nine and because i felt fear fear for myself and my family Um, And to really stick it to you, I decided, uh, you know, it was on Saturday. Um, If you go back to our Criterion Creeps proper, I told you the kind of shape I was in. So I had a whole day to myself. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch these fuckers right now. (laughs) And what happened was a day that I'll never get back.
0: Never. <sighs> Never. It'll, it is a day that will live in infamy.
1: People talk about wasted time and wasted days, but no one will ever have a day like that where you can you can literally say that you have just wasted a day of your life.
0: Yep. And it, just to think, I bought that Puppet Master collection for $5. Mm-hmm. Um, two discs. So, you know, it's going to look great. Uh, yep. I, I only had ever watched the first one. And uh, uh-huh. I thought the movie was not very good. And I mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like left it at that. And I actually had it out in my uh, my bin full of movies that I'm going to take to a pawn shop one of these days. But then RJ, again, back uh, around Halloween, he sends me this list, his his wish list of movies he wants to borrow. Uh-huh. Or like he's going to try to watch that Halloween. And I saw Puppet Master on there. I went, well, I guess I'll go dig it out of there. And, uh-huh. and here we are, RJ.
1: Here we are. Yeah, which... Well, to be to be sure this will be an all-time banger uh, of a podcast episode if only for people to just bask in the pain that we have felt and the horror of what we did
0: yes uh Charles Ban should change his name to Charles Payne Charles uh, Payne Charles Payne because you boy, know because because folks if you, it's not clear um what happened too was uh, because I can't stop once like mm-hmm. it's, things have been set in motion. RJ watching all nine Puppet Masters, uh, in one in, in one in, night in a single sitting in it one go. Uh, a single I, sitting, I, I, night. I, you, I, I, which I can't fathom to this day. Um, I, I realized, oh hey, I've got these books on like Charles Band, like on the vid- full moon entertainment stuff, and I've got this magazine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, wouldn't it be interesting to just like watch like all the like full moon movies and mm-hmm. like we'll just talk about them and then we did that
1: well you could say that we're real sit and nancy we're real toxic to each other yeah you're poison duncan you're poison so you saw me watch these nine movies which i did mostly out of spite for uh towards you um and then you started watching these full moon entertainment charles band movies and then i started watching more too because we're both petty and uh, we were trying to get the upper hand on each other. And what happened now is we have probably the biggest piece of shit episode that anyone will ever listen to. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone will be interested in this. Uh, it was it was a long, hard uh, 10 days. Let me tell you. Yep. It's been long and hard. Um, but uh, I don't know. Did you... <laughs> uh, so yeah, what Jared said, I watched puppet master one through nine all in one sitting uh it really sucked and then uh we started watching all these full moon entertainment charles bands so i didn't really even know who this guy was until i watched all these puppet master movies and then i don't know maybe you have some more in, in intel on uh mr charlie band and uh, the things that he gets up to well uh first of all
0: uh this is the Criterion Cruise podcast i'm jared we'll Ger- s- i'm jared duncan uh, rj balog and this is a Ghoul School special. Uh, for those maybe just tuning in for the first time, uh, usually in the month of October, we take a break from our uh, our spine by spine uh, going through the Criterion collection in order of yep. release, and we uh, we watch horror movies for a month because we love horror. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it's it's Halloween six months away. the The night we're recording it, uh, we're in the midst of a full moon. And I, I don't know, it just seemed like uh, everything kind of lined up and uh, RJ watching all this full moon and Puppet Master shit. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just like, hey, let's just, let's just start Halloween right now. Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. So, I don't know. We uh, Full moon is like the opposite of the Criterion Collection, one could argue. <laughs> Some have said me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: the uh, the anti-Criterion Collection. The negative universe the darkest timeline the darkest timeline uh-huh. yeah
0: <laughs> so you, you you would not you were not familiar with charles band at all huh uh
1: well once i started watching all these puppet masters um and seeing uh, the overlap in directors and then uh writers and then it, it popped up and i was like oh i've actually seen a couple of this guy's movies um if not like things that he's written or Things that he's directed, but just through association, like things that he has produced, right? Like, because uh, he's produced, he's produced, uh, he, he's produced um, more movies than like anyone you'll ever fucking see. So I think, uh, what was it? Um, like some of the big ones, like From Beyond, that was one that I had seen. So I was like, oh yeah, I know Charles Band a little bit. He did that, and you've talked about him a few times with... Uh, Castle Freak and he did like tourist Trap and stuff so I knew him a little Bit but I didn't really know that he was this like This he's a Roger Corman type of ca- yeah. character and That's where he's kind of fashioned himself
0: Out of shit Well come on Roger
2: Corman Like well... okay. No
0: no you, you, you If you sat down and uh, did a Corman Run of his stuff you'd be like Ah he's like Charles Band before Charles Band um, I don't
1: think I'm going to do a run of any... I don't think I'm going to watch a movie again ever. Yeah, well, watch, after this,
0: watching, uh, like, whatever, this number of, like, any one person's movies is not healthy. It's not good for you. No. But, no. I mean, watching this, though, I've had uh, changes of my feelings, I guess, toward what this sort of filmmaking is. And, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're recording this in sort of the the shadow of, like, one of the highest grossing films of all time being released. Uh, and it's this movie that has like nothing but resources available to it with like multifaceted stars and production and just this multi-part thing. And like, mm-hmm. that's like, yeah, there's some movies that exist like that, but the vast majority of movies that come out, they are made with the constraints of budget and like uh, people not, I don't know, you're making movies for a... a, a a committed fan base, like, and, uh, most movies are like that. Like the stuff that everyone talks about, uh, is just so swayed by Hollywood. And that's the the entire conversation of film is like, what's Hollywood doing? And so people just think that movies fit into a particular parameter of something. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, we have expectations. I mean, obviously, there's a reason for that because these movies are, like, delivering slicker and slicker products over time. Uh, So sometimes, Mm -hmm. I I think, stepping back and watching a Charles Band movie, uh, it'll either help you, like, uh, appreciate how slick movies are, but at the same time, illustrate how monotonous movies can be. And even, like, within these Charles Band movies, uh, there is, like... It's like when you're watching like the particularly the Charles Band Entertainment stuff, the thirty three films he made uh, in his Paramount deal from like nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety four. It's almost like you're watching uh, one. Television series, like something like *Tales yep. from the Crypt*, where like every ep- like every movie is actually just like feels like an episode of an anthology series, and sometimes mm-hmm. you get like follow up storylines, but like the productions and stuff like that, you get the same like composer on many movies, his brother Richard, um, you get certain actors popping up here and there, um, but yeah, no, it's it's a different way of making movies, and I mean. As as we get to toward the end of uh, Band's powers and like when his 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 budgets are non-existent, uh, Mm -hmm. you start realizing it's like holy crap! It is like it's it's pretty difficult to make movies, (laughs) Uh Uh, apparently. And And sometimes you appreciate when you see a really nice polished movie and go. Yeah, that's really good. It makes me feel great. I'm not really aware of my the fact that I'm sitting here watching this. Uh, mm-hmm. not what. And that's when most people sign up when they sign up to watch a movie. They're there to like forget things and not be aware that they're watching movies. Uh, Charles Band is not that type of filmmaker, but we'll get all through that. So mm-hmm. uh, a very brief biography of Charles Band. Uh, oh. I, I, it's not really help. I mean, it's he's a guy. Um, uh, he's the son, yeah. he's the son of, uh, a director and producer named Albert Band, who, uh, wrote, uh, the Western that we actually covered in, I think, our third episode of the Criterion Creeps podcast, uh, after you had watched it, after I lent it to you, uh, The Hellbenders. Oh, okay. It's um, a good show. It's a good flick. Uh, he, he is, like, big claim to fame. Albert Band would be, he directed a, a neat little science fiction black and white movie called I Bury the Living. Uh, mm-hmm. with Richard Boone that I actually quite like, um, but other than that, like he's just guy, he was around, he was just like, never like a big name. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got these sons, this, this Richard band and this Charles mm-hmm. band. And, uh, so, I mean, they were like movie kids hanging out on sets when his dad, when their dad was like traveling around, be it in Italy or America or wherever. And, uh, Charles band was like a big comic book kid. He always seems to really frame himself as being this, like, super comic book fan, loving Stan Lee, loving Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko. And I guess, like, the driving force behind a lot of this stuff uh, is that he wanted to essentially make his own universe with his own characters and just, like, I don't know, do it this way. Like, a lot of it, though, is, like, him framing it when he talks about it now. It's, like, this whole idea of Stan Lee and, like, the bullpen and stuff like that is, like, how to, like, make unlimited – business like uh, opportunities of making stuff, making toys, making movies and t-shirts and like being like kind of viewed as this sort of like huckster, this lovable huckster. Um, And I mean, that's essentially what he's been doing since like the seventies. Like when he actually started becoming Mm -hmm. a filmmaker in his own right, Um, making some movies on his own, but uh, and then like he's, he's like been a pretty active director himself, but yeah, like you said, Mm -hmm. like his production, Duchesser credits, like, are on a completely different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. So he directed him for early movies this movie called The Alchemist, which I think I might have actually talked about on in Google School last October. I honestly don't remember much about the movie at all. It's got a really nice poster. Mm-hmm. Um, but then beyond that, I mean, uh, his, like, big claim to fame before Full Moon was Empire Pictures, which uh is behind like Reanimator from Beyond. Uh those are like kind of the big uh movies. And I mean like if you look over it, there's like a couple of highlights. But on the whole, I mean it's some fine eighties genre of filmmaking. Stuff like ghoulies and uh yeah. Dungeon Master mm-hmm. uh um Let's see here. Crawl Space with Klaus Kinski, which is a movie I feel doesn't get a lot of love. It's actually a pretty strange kind of uh, little movie in itself. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a movie like Terror Vision, which you either will love it or hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, RJ, I understand that you watched a, a few Empire Pictures in this lead-up. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're going to call it? Yeah, the, the lead-up. Yeah. So this is some preamble. So this is like... You watched, what, three or four here?
1: Four, I believe. Well,
0: and back – and and this is all – what this all started off was, was, like, after RJ watched Puppet Masters 1 through 9, I'm like, oh, hey, RJ, you got to watch Dolls.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's where – so that's where the tangent, like, movies came into place here. So that's what I was saying. Like, either – Either Full Moon Entertainment, which I think we covered all 98% of it, uh, but just movies that, through association, Charlie Band uh, was either a producer on or even just, like, his longtime directors, like a couple of them, uh, that were under this new company. So I have a few of those, too. So first, uh, you want me to to hit you with these? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe just start with uh, Trancers okay so uh, I watched transfers and this is like uh,
0: probably amongst like the most beloved of the uh, the full moon stuff and tra- it's weird because like transfers itself was uh, Empire Pictures but like when uh, yeah. full moon started up because so Empire Pictures uh, much like many uh, Charles Band endeavors wound up going bankrupt or failing of course uh, but what happened was like Empire Pictures it was like he owed money to the bank and and eventually, the financiers they like took the company away from him, um, mm-hmm. and he just was like, "Well, fuck you! I'm just going to start another company." And he started Full Moon like immediately, and just so he could continue
1: making stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, that's about it. Yeah, okay, that's a that's a good way to look at <laughs> it. So, um, no, yeah, Transfers is it's definitely one of the more well received of any of these. Like, it has. For the people who are into this stuff, um, they look at it pretty kindly. So when I was going into it, I saw it had like, like a bell curve of a grading almost. I was like, oh, so it's like, it's not that bad. There's, there's not too much on the bad or on the low end. So it seems okay. So I I didn't know anything about transers, even though it has like, it seems a following and as much, but it is directed by Mr. Charlie Band, uh, and it came out in 1994 or 84. 84 yeah 94 what are you talking about 84 so i was actually kind of confused when i watched this movie so i'm gonna use uh the help of letterbox to uh, explain what this movie is about um so hi- here's the tagline his name is death he hunts trancers even in the 20th century uh and the little rundown is angel city trooper jack death is sent back in time from 20, uh, 2247 to 1985 LA to inhabit the body of his ancestor. Death's assignment is to find his arch enemy, Whistler, who turns people into zombies before the fiend is able to kill all the ancestors of the future's governing council. So that was a mouthful. I think I flubbed it a little bit. but So I actually was kind of confused watching this until about halfway through. So you have this guy named Jack Death, and uh, this movie is essentially like a Terminator ripoff. So Jack Death gets sent back in time, um, and he's not fighting Terminators. He's fighting trancers, which are just like hypnotized people uh, by this the big bad guy Whistler. So like, there's people just throughout all of LA that like, whenever this guy encounters them, they they get all boiled and, like, yellow and blue and stuff. And, like, they just turn, like, straight into zombies as soon as they see him. And he's just like, oh, trancers. Uh, So he's, like, got to kill them while he's looking for this Whistler guy. Uh, And at the same time, he's trying to save, like, people who are important in history. So, like, there's his ancestor, and then there's, like, there's, like, this greasy old hobo who uh, Jack Death is like, oh, one of your kids will be, like a general in the army in the future. So it's a lot like Terminator in that sense. And, and yeah,
0: and there's also kind of like the unique uh, time travel gimmick of the transfers universe, which is that uh, you can go back in time, like through the technology that exists, yeah. in the, whatever it is, the 24th century uh, or 23rd century, one of the, one of the two, Yeah. but you, you can only, what happens is your consciousness goes back into mm-hmm. uh, an ancestor. Of the period that you want to go yeah. to, and so whoever it is, whatever body it is, at the uh, time, that's at the time, who you that's, can that's, who you can, that's who you can go to. That's the only way you can go back. So yeah. there's like a thing where, like, I think the the, the stupid chief uh, when yeah. he wants to go back, his his ans- or his ancestor at the time uh, in 1984 is a like eight year old girl.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then it's funny because she's saying like stuff old men would say, but she's a little girl. Yeah. And uh, that just reminds me, that's kind of like that. Uh, those assassins Creed video games. I think they just stole the uh, their idea from this. Probably, I guess, because that's what those are all about. Um, So, yeah, uh, they go back in time and then they can like sometimes send stuff from the future to the past. So there's like instances where he's walking and then like a box will just show up in front of him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I needed that. And It'll be like something from the future uh this movie's actually pretty good mm-hmm. um like compared to all the other things this one's actually uh pretty good it's got like a good um i don't want to say like a feel but uh the city like feels very i don't know if it's 1985 or whatever but it's very lived in uh it's got like a grungy kind of feel los, and los uh, angeles los angeles yeah or lost angeles um as it is in the future uh you no, know, it feels good like it's got a really good aesthetic um with like punk kids everywhere and then like dirty guys and los angeles heat uh and uh some of the action stuff is pretty good too yeah. and I, even the i always think sorry? of the,
0: the santa claus in the mall bit is pretty awesome
1: that one's good yeah so like their jack death goes to the mall and uh a santa sees him and then turns into a trancer and like attacks him and there's like little kids everywhere and they're like oh uh that that's pretty good um And it has like, it has actually some pretty cool ideas. Like the one big thing uh, is that they have this technology where Jack Death can not freeze time, but slow time for uh, for one second in real time. So one second in real time, he experiences it as 10 seconds of his time. So it's kind of like speed force type stuff where everyone else is frozen for one second, but he is like can move around um and it's 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 a cool idea to see in a movie this old uh it does create some problems because there's like a time where he finds whistler and uh at the time he chooses to save helen hunt instead of killing him but uh and like i was watching it i was like man why didn't he just kill that guy but it's addressed like immediately helen hunt is like hey why didn't you just kill that guy and he's like well i had to save you a doll um because like she's his ancestor but he's also his ancestor which is kind of weird because like they talk about how they like bang a lot in this movie and then they get down at some points and i was like wait wh- who is she like his grandma i'm confused I but anyways yeah. it, it was something like that uh but that's a thing they use a uh i think twice in this movie where like time slows down and he does some cool stuff um So that was pretty cool. Uh, You get a band of hobos in this movie, which is really cool, playing uh, hobo baseball where they throw uh, empty bottles uh, and one guy hits it with a stick uh, that I thought was really funny. Um, And it's got payoff too uh, because one of the lead hobos, who is the pitcher of the hobo baseball team, uh, later in the movie he uses his pitching skills to throw an empty bottle at the bad guy's head and uh, it causes the bad guy to fall off a building. And uh, I thought that was really funny. (laughs) <laughs> so uh yeah no tra- Trancers was actually pr- uh, not bad um the one big downside is we didn't I think you have one more to talk about this is like a huge series like five or six of them but uh it just wasn't enough time man
0: I know it just wasn't
1: enough time so uh yeah no uh that was transfer- Transfers. I don't know if you have
0: anything to say about it uh no I mean like I think uh I've watched this a couple years ago just like having heard like how much people really are enthusiastic about the movie yeah, um, But I also, like, at that time Went into it kind of knowing about Like, at least in my perception of, like, Charles Band And what that means, like, his productions And the types of movies that he makes And I kind of went into this and I was like Whoa, this movie's, like, a really fun, enjoyable movie Now, I yeah. will not know if I would, like, go out of my way To be like, this is, like, an excellent Like, piece of, like, 84 Future noir uh, Filmmaking or anything like that like Because, I mean, like you said, yeah. like, this movie is, like, kind of very, like Post-Terminator um, yes. po- Post-Blade Runner And uh, to put it in the same conversation as that is kind of crazy. Uh, And I see some people do that, but that's what people do. But I think Mm. this movie is like a very, just like, I mean, for Charles Band, it's probably the best thing he directed. Um, Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, no, it's like, it's a very cool movie. I think people should check it out. Um, But like I said, like, we'll get to it later. But, yeah, I I did watch Transfers 2, this viewing. Mm -hmm. But uh, neither of us got much deeper than that because there's still, uh, there's four more. And then there's even like a... Like twenty five minutes. Off? There's a twenty five minute thing that they actually shot in eighty eight for a unproduced um, anthology hmm. film that will. Uh, actually, we could even talk about it right now. Sure. There was a What Was it called Pulse Pounders? So before Ew. Uh, uh, as Empire Pictures was uh, going out of business, uh, they actually shot some this this anthology film, and yeah. uh, one of them was uh, the the evil clergyman, uh, which mm-hmm. was. Uh, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton doing a Lovecraft riff, Mm. um, and which I watched because Charles Band found this stuff. He only has apparently has copies of like these movies like on VHS. There's no uh, like Mm -hmm. film version of it, so he just threw them up just because it's like, well, they don't look good. Here you go. Which I watched one of those, and the other thing which I didn't realize till like last night was it was uh, like Transfers 1.5. It's just like mm-hmm. a 25 minute thing with Helen Hunt and uh, Tim Thomerson uh doing yeah. Jack Death stuff. And like I don't know. I haven't read, I, I I didn't see it myself. And I'm not sure what the other two are. But it was like mm-hmm. one of those kind of those lost little films from when Empire uh, went bottoms up. How did you uh, enjoy uh Tim Thomerson by the way? Which one's Tim Thomerson? Th- that is the main character.
1: Uh, I thought it was fine. I don't know. Is there a... Uh... Most
0: people seem to, like, think he's just genius, that he's, like, he hits that perfect... No, that, come on. He's, he hits that perfect uh, level of, like, kind of, like, 80s kind of camp, because he's kind of doing, like, a dirty, hairy sort of thing, and yeah. he just has, like, that, that gr- kind of, like, white-haired look, and he's... Deli- delivers his lines like a kind of a
1: kind of like a Han Solo like I don't know it's, it's very Harrison Ford ish I guess I uh Transer Transers is not Terminator or Blade Runner and uh Tim Thomerson is not Harrison Ford yeah I'll, I'll put it like that I'll put it gently this movie is mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. but uh if you say that you're fucking nuts
0: yeah well, you're crazy well, a lot of people uh always go talk about how much they love Tim Thomerson <laughs> like mm-hmm. now, now that you now that you've heard it you'll see it everywhere
1: yeah, has this guy been in any other movie? He's been in tons of stuff,
0: but uh, uh, I mean, he's he's totally a B movie guy. Like that's the thing. Gotcha. He's 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 Jack Death and all this stuff, and he shows up in a few other movies. But uh,
1: yeah, gotcha. He's around. All right. Yeah, transfers Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. It had a cool opening. I like the opening where it's just like, uh, he gets into a fight and the he's talking to the other guy. He's like, "It's a transfer. Get help!" And the guy runs outside and hits like this like spotlight and this huge beam, like light beam goes up. I thought that was cool. So anyway, dolls, dolls. Yeah. So dolls is a movie that came out in 1987 by our buddy, Stuart Gordon. uh, The guy who did reanimator and from beyond and some other things we'll talk about today. Uh, Dolls has an awesome poster and it has an awesome tagline. The tagline is just pleasant dreams. Uh, So you lent this to me because I watched all the puppet masters uh, this one's got a cool setup. Uh, it starts out and you get this guy and girl and this fancy little... or Not guy and girl. like This old guy and lady in uh, a fancy looking car. And they have a little daughter in the back who's like eight or something. And they're driving around. And uh, a storm comes out. And they get stuck in the mud. So they have to walk. And uh, you see that uh, the lady is like an evil stepmom. And she's really shitty to this little kid. And uh, the dad... Uh, always takes the stepmom's side and he's basically like shut up little kid he's like we didn't even want you here anyways we wish you were with your mother he's like you're ruining our summer so this little kid's like oh she's like okay she's like i guess i suck whatever um and they find this house out in the woods kind of and they go inside it's this really nice like old house like this old big mansion and there's two real old people there and you find out that they are um they're toy makers or the guy is at least he's like a doll maker and uh they're really sweet and the old man is talking about how uh like chi- children are magic and there's magic and dolls and stuff like that um uh, and so they're talking and then some more people come into the house who also got hit by the storm. Uh, th- this guy who's kind of like a schlubby guy who he reminded me of um, uh, a character from Always Sunny. There's that guy. Um, I'll think of it any some other time, but he looks just like that fucking guy. Anyways, so you have him. And he he comes in, he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. He's like, I just picked up these two girls, and they're like punk girls. And they're like, we couldn't get out of the storm, can can we stay here? And uh, the old people are so sweet, they're like, yeah, of course. And they let all these strangers into their house. The uh, shitty dad and stepmom go to one room. The little girl gets her own room with a brand new doll that uh, the old man gives her. Uh, Because every kid needs a doll. The uh, sweet guy who picked up the hitchhikers, he gets his own room. And you find out that he has like the heart of a child. Um, He's like super nice. And him and the little kid get along. And then you get the two punk girls who are really shitty uh, too. Uh, They listen to music. They smoke in the house. They get their own room too. So everyone's in the house. And then some people venture out of their rooms like one of the punk girls. And uh, she gets taken out. She gets killed big time. And you're just and uh, the little little girl sees it and you're just like, oh, shit. And the little girl, girl gets covered in blood. She goes to the dude, the nice guy, and then they start exploring the house while everyone else in the house starts getting taken out. Uh, that's and you find out that they are taken out by the dolls, uh, like all the toys in the house are coming alive and killing people. Uh, this movie's pretty good. Um, I liked it. Uh I liked it more than a lot of the other stuff I watched. Like, I don't think it's great, but, uh, it was, it was a pretty decent watch. It's entertaining. Um, I think Stuart Gordon's a pretty good director. So I think he, he told the story, uh, pretty good. Uh, I liked the ending. I think it's kind of fun. Uh, what happens? I won't say, but it's, I don't know. Like, like you were saying before, like all of these movies kind of feel like, uh, tales from the crypt type episodes. And, uh, I thought this one, especially I was like, this would have just been like a really good, Episode of Tales from the Crypt. Um, I don't know. There's not anything really that sticks out to me. Uh, there's a couple cool scenes where you have life-size people as dolls, and those are kind of spooky. But uh, no, I don't know. I like I like dolls. I thought it was a pretty good show. Yeah,
0: what I kind of. I want to rewatch it. Like my when I got the, the Scream factory blue a couple of years ago, that was the first time I'd watched it. And I kind of went in with like fairly, I guess like higher than normal expectations. Cause cause I sure. like Stuart Gordon quite a bit and I had not yeah. seen this one. Uh, but at the same time I also knew that it was like, Oh, it's one of those like empire pictures yeah. movies and it's about dolls. And, uh, yeah. when I think of, again, I <laughs> think of Charles band, like his first like p- produced movie that kind of like kicks off this thing about dolls that he has is a tourist yeah. trap. And that's oh, yeah. a, and that's another one that I uh, I, I remember watching. It's a and fan not, not, not yeah. People seem to like some movies, and then you watch them, yeah. and then you go, hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know. I might have to rewatch both those now and kind of look at them through um, uh, into the eyes new of a man eyes. who's watched like twenty seven full moon movies. Uh uh-huh. So maybe it's like, oh, this will really elevate these things. But yeah, I remember like dolls being kind of just okay, but like it's not, not being super interested i guess in the the story it's telling i guess was my kind of gist
1: of it but maybe
0: it's a little bit better than i remember
1: it's not bad man uh like i it's like i said it's a lot better than a lot of the other movies i I watched (laughs) which doesn't really mean much but uh i I don't know i had it on and i i didn't really get like the bored of it so anyway so next i moved on to uh what we would call rj picks uh these were movies that um I watched because of their association. So this is the entrance of uh, infamous director, Mr. David Dakota. Yeah, Dakota. It's French. Uh, He is apparently dual citizen, Canadian and US. So uh, it must be a French name, David Dakota. This guy will come up a lot tonight. He did four or five puppet masters. Uh, He did a movie I watched before, uh, some people might remember, called Dr. Alien. Uh, This guy. Also Empire Pictures. And yeah, also Empire Pictures. This guy is a big time Charlie Band, uh, Roger Corman type dude. Um, He did a lot of like 80s horror, B-horror stuff. Uh, He, of course, dabbled in some softcore porn, uh, which I'm about to talk about. And then at some point in his career, he just went right over to real porn. Uh, I don't know when it happened, but it did. Um, He has some series called 1313, and all the posters have really hunky nude guys on it. So, I don't know when, but eventually sometime he started making porn about beefy dudes. So, there you go.
0: I would definitely say they're probably uh, softcore still, because hardcore, hardcore, uh, I don't even think you could have them
1: unletterboxed. Ah! Well, they, fucking. They, uh, do,
0: they, they do not. Jim like...
1: Wynorski has a, a couple on here. Well, That's...
0: those ones slip through the cracks, I guess. Uh, but yeah. no, like it's. Uh, I I don't agree with the policy, but the the movie database and uh, Letterbox sure. don't like to have uh, pornography on there, which mm-hmm. what it, it doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> between, I gotcha. But it's, it's so the here, here's a soft core porn. Uh, I actually should I talk about um I should talk about sorority babes first. I think. Okay. Okay. So uh. There's two movies, and they kind of go together because of this weird history they have. Uh, So one that I watched, which is probably the coolest title to a movie ever, uh, is called Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bowl-O-Rama. This is directed by Mr. David Dakota, whatever his name is. Uh, This is kind of softcore porn. Uh, It stars three girls that are big-time 80s, actresses that will probably pop up a, a lot tonight uh leanna quigley uh brinky stevens and michelle bauer uh so this movie you have uh the two girls there are they are in a sorority and uh, the movie starts off they're getting like hazed they're getting paddled by the uh the bigger sorority sisters um so you see that they're in their sorority house and then there are three nerdy dudes from a frat And uh, they sneak over to this sorority house to watch the hazing because it's hot and uh, they're nerdy dudes. They can't get their own action. So they got to go watch it. Uh, They get caught peeping. And then the older sorority sister is like, all right, this is what you got to do. Like one of our rival sororities has this uh, trophy at uh, one of the local bowling alleys. Go and steal it, all of you, or you're in big trouble. Uh, for the girls, they're going to get kicked out of the sorority. For the boys, something like, we'll tell your frat brothers or some shit like that. Uh, so the two girls and the three boys go to the bowling alley. They break in. Uh, they encounter Leanna Quigley, uh, who is a big-time actress people might know. Big time. Uh, I saw her in real life one time, and uh, she looked like she did not want to be alive anymore. But that's a story for a different day. Uh, so they break into the bowling alley. Uh, they meet her. Her name is Spider. And they go to steal this trophy. It falls on the ground. And uh, what they describe in the movie as an imp comes out. He's kind of like a little troll gremlin type thing. He's got these big ears and he's like wise talking. He's like, what all you motherfuckers doing in my bowling alley? He's like, "God damn, it was cramped in that thing. This is a uh, Michael so Bay movie. It's pretty close, man. So, like, he's talking about stuff like this, and he's like, all right, you let me free. He's like, what do you want? You guys want wishes? I'm going to give you some wishes. And they all wish for, like, some pretty stupid shit. Like, uh, one girl was like, I want to be prom queen. And the fat guy is like, I want gold. And then uh, one of the nerdy girls is like, I wish I was hot. Uh, And then, like, it all comes true. uh, And they go off to do things. But what they found was this imp is kind of like a monkey's palm. So it's like the wishes turn bad kind of like and everything turns into nightmares and they find out that the imp is a bad dude and he's there to kill them Uh, and so a couple of them get taken out a couple of them are trying to fight back Uh, halfway along the way they meet a deaf janitor who's a pretty cool dude who like explains everything to them he's like well you know like 50 years ago we locked him in there he's like I don't know why you guys let him out Um, this movie is okay Uh, it you I mean, with a name like that, I think you go in getting what you expect, more or less. I thought it was going to be a little crazier, to be honest. Um, There wasn't as many nudie ladies as I thought there would be. And uh, there wasn't as much, like, out-of-balance action. Like, you do get a decapitated head going down the bowling alley, which is cool. uh, But you don't get much else than that. So I was a little bit let down. I think the title is Too Good. (laughs) <laughs> and I think people go in with expectations for it, and so I don't know. Like you hear a title like that, and you're just like, "Holy shit, that's pretty cool." But uh, no, it was it was okay. But uh, I thought the other the partner movie was um a lot more entertaining. So I don't know if you know anything about Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowl or Rama. Uh, I know it's a movie that's got fans. It's got fans yeah uh, it definitely does um it's okay, but uh I think this other movie is a lot better uh this movie is called Nightmare Sisters made in the same year by the same people and the thing about this movie is this movie was filmed in four days and it was after Slime Bowl Borama they had uh a, um they had like a certain amount of film left and they just uh there was something like um. They're, the dude David Dakota was friends with, uh, what's his name? Fred Owen Ray, uh, who just shot Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers uh, in like five days. And this David Dakota guy was like, "Oh, I can do that. I can make like a movie in a couple days." Uh, so he had all these people still around, and they had four days. And it's even mentioned in the credits when the movie's done. It's like thanks to the four, uh, like four-day crew or something like that. Um, so they filmed this movie. So it's kind of like it's not really like they just made it because they finished their the slimeball bullarama early and they had more stuff or like more film. They're like, oh, whatever, we'll make another movie. Uh, So you have the three girls again, Michelle Bauer, Meanna Quigley and Brinkie Stevens. uh, And they're in a sorority again, uh, but they're really geeky and they like really nerd them up. They got like glasses and really baggy clothes and they're like, (laughs) like boogery and like sniffling and stuff like that and they're like no guys like us uh so they all the other girls are away from the the frat for one night or the sorority so they're like let's invite over some boys so they call over to a frat and they get three really nerdy guys uh and they're like hey come hang out with us and you're like okay uh and one of the nerdy girls that day was at flea market and she bought like a bunch of like occult shit like a crystal ball and stuff like that and uh they have a seance and they have a seance and what happens is the three nerdy girls get possessed by sex demons Mm. um they get hit by some lightning and then they are nude for the entire movie uh this is about 20 30 minutes in and the other 30 40 minutes they are completely nude which was ace because it actually happened that's what i was here for um and they're trying to sex up these nerdy guys, but the nerdy guys are like, oh, 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 oh. like they don't know how to, ha- how to handle it. And they're a little bit nervous. And, uh, one of the nerdy guys is like, wait a minute. He's like, do you guys think these girls are a little different from when we got here? Uh, because <laughs> they're totally naked now and they're rubbing like entire pies on their bodies, uh, which is pretty funny. And the other guys are like, no, nah, no, nah, they're fine. They're fine. um, they're like, let's just, like, we'll wait it out. We'll look. Um, they're in – they rub a bunch of pies on their bodies, and then the three girls have a bath. The bathtub scene, I'm not kidding, is about 10 minutes long of just these three girls in a tub uh, washing each other, the whipped cream off of each other. So that was fun. In uh, that time, uh, three of the other frat boys come from the frat, and they're like, oh, we're real men. We deserve these women. Uh, so they, like – um, kick the nerds out and then they go in and then what you see is uh these um sex demons uh they bite you in the dick and you turn to dust um hmm. so they get, they get the three frat guys they bite them in the dick they turn to dust and then the uh, the three nerdy boys see this, they come back in. they call a 24-7 exorcist uh, and it's the guy who was the actual exorcist priest for from the movie The Exorcist. He has a big speech about how he never got any credit and how Hollywood is horse shit. Uh, and then they have a little exorcism, they get the demon out and that's it. Uh, this movie is pretty good. Uh, it is exactly what you want. If you want a movie full of 80's babes who are just nude, running around and nerdy dudes, uh, I think if you were, like, a 13-year-old kid, this movie would be your Citizen Kane because uh, it empowers the nerdy guy. He's like, look, hot babes. Um, I, I thought this would,
0: Rewind what? and watch again and rewind yeah, you, and watch, watch again. Watch
1: again. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. no, um, it's exactly what it's trying to be. And I appreciated that. So, Nightmare Sisters was actually pretty good. I will take your recommendation under advisement. I would watch Nightmare Sisters over Slimeball, bull or Rama. Okay. But uh, that's just me. So, anyways. Well,
0: I watched one Empire Pictures film uh, okay. this past week. And that was a film called Cellar Dweller. Uh, mm-hmm. This actually rounds up a four-pack uh, DVD I've got uh, that I got to watch the other week as well with that movie The Crawlers, the plant-based mm. horror film that wasn't very good. Uh, and neither was this. Yeah. The title's awesome. The poster's pretty cool. Uh, It's directed by uh, John Carl Beekler, who also uh, directed Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, uh, as well as Troll 1 and The Dungeon Master, another Empire uh, classic. Uh, So anyway, this movie actually kind of seems like a personal film for uh, the director. Um, So he's like primarily known as like a special effects makeup guy who kind of became a director. And this movie, I think, is, like, aimed at, like, people he thinks that all would agree that, uh, like, EC Comics was, like, the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity. And there's, like, yeah. a, there's a generation of, like, men in particular uh, who think this way. mm mm-hmm. uh, Have you ever read any EC Comics, RJ? A few. A few
1: they're, here and there. And
0: they're just kind of, like, there, right? Like, they're, like, yep. kind of coolly drawn. They're neat. But, like, they're not, like high art, like in the sense of Mm -hmm. like, they're really, they're well drawn, like they're great looking, they look amazing as art, but like, as like literature, it's like not, Mm -hmm. they're not there. They're, but I mean, shouldn't hold that against it. I mean, that's the thing that I think there's like that push against people who say, oh, the comics are more art. Look at these. (laughs) And it's like, well, are comics are actually really well done. They're like Mm -hmm. thoughtful, maybe not as well drawn, but like, they're probably a lot more meaningful or or what have you. But this is a movie that's directed from a position of a guy who thinks EC Comics is, like, the best. Uh, It starts off in the first, Mm -hmm. like, five minutes. It's, like, the the 1930s. Jeffrey Combs plays a uh, uh, comic book artist who's drawing in a style completely inappropriate for a 1930s artist. Uh, It it looks like Warren Publishing era, like, 70s horror comics art with, like, super, Mm -hmm. like, lots of, like, uh, cross-hatching and stuff like that, even though it's like they wouldn't have been drawing like that at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, like, happens to have a copy of the Necronomicon. <laughs> just, just lying around. He just happens to have it in his studio, and he's, like, kind of reading it out loud and, like, writing some stuff down for, like, uh, accuracy of the comic that he's researching, which mm-hmm. is, like, about a giant, like, demon beast that he's just made up. But it turns out this particular spell that he reads from the Necronomicon creates this beast Uh, in like, then he's like being pursued by the beast. Uh, Mm -hmm. and he winds up able to like kill it by setting the page, the comic page on fire and like locking it away. Uh, but that's kind of how his story ends. Uh, and then it jumps ahead to like the eighties, I guess. And, uh, Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the cottage house that it all started off in, uh, is now a like kind of artist commune residency, uh, for mm. people who make real art now. Cons- like, and it's oh. like, it's like 1980s, like views of like what conceptual art is. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, so like you get like what a dumb man's idea of like, Oh, this is all performance art is. Right. <laughs> and it's like, that isn't, doesn't resemble anything. And like some guys, like, uh, really bad paintings, uh and it's like there's like this idea that anyone would be think these were were good paintings is ridiculous and mm-hmm. it's like they could have put a little bit more effort into making those like really good paintings but instead they're like very childlike but i'm sure uh someone that would love ec comics assumes that uh well if you can't draw like in this uh kind of like comic realist sort of way then you're a bad artist and that's what all the paintings i see when i go to a gallery look like of it's, course and so the main character is a girl who she wants to be? She wants to draw comics and bring back this style. And she wants to do a residency at this cottage of this dead famous cartoonist who died tragically after he killed himself, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of like goes from there. Uh, someone, of course, comes across the Necronomicon that managed to survive the fire and copies down some of the uh, the, the language from the book for a comic panel, and it, of course brings that monster back. And mm-hmm. so the movie is just about that monster killing people and as he kills them comic pages emerge of him killing it. These comic pages uh, the art it's a little little rough uh, it's I oh. mean <laughs> it's like oh yeah they could have they could have worked on their anatomy a little bit more if you want to draw in that particular style. It's got a mm-hmm. kind of a charm to it. But it's exactly what you expect. I think even my description of it sounds a little bit better than watching this movie is. It's just a lot of stock characters that you're not into. Spiral perms abound. Um, I don't know. Just like, there's like one bit where a man's head just gets like clawed off by the monster and goes flying. And it's like, ooh, that's some good old, that's some good old fashioned gore right there. But on the whole, it's like, you've, it's all the boxes just being checked. It felt like just one of those types of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like the poster's nice, the title's cool, but it's just there. There's a reason why not a lot of people talk about it, but I have mm-hmm. also seen that some people overstate how good it is because sometimes- Like, us. like Yeah, like, well, no, not us. No, oh. no, RJ. Nobody
1: talks about us?
0: No, that's, that's very true. Okay. Yeah. But that was my uh, one little- dip into the Empire Pictures uh, pool for this particular okay. uh, viewing, that takes us on to full moon mm-hmm. entertainment, which I've already mentioned. So what happened was Empire Pictures collapses. And mm-hmm. uh, I think old Charles Burns, or Charles Burns, uh, Charles, Charles Band Byrne. yeah, uh, Black Hole uh, mm-hmm. creator, uh, Charles Band, he just, he's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to create my own studio and just keep going from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like gets like the whole idea and the pitch for puppet master ready to rock and like he manages to talk paramount into like mm. be, be, like letting him become their directive video guy So so what happened, so Paramount, this is like, no 1988, 1989, video on cassette is just huge. Uh, There's stores everywhere. There's such a huge demand. And the idea is that if you can make movies that you can like, just like sell to stores, you'll make tons of money. It doesn't even really matter about the quality. They don't have to exist previously. You just have to fill the demand because at that Mm. point in time, I mean, this is like decades before Netflix exists where like essentially that exists now in a different form. But people would go to a store and be like, oh, it's all rent, whatever. So if you had, like, good artwork and, like, a decent title, you would just get uh, people renting you out, and that's all you needed. Mm -hmm. And Charles Band, being a, uh, I guess, very, like, charming, uh, charismatic guy who's been in business forever and ever, uh, he he, uh, got Paramount to sign on and be like, We want to be in the puppet master business. (laughs) Mm, uh, A wonderful and prosperous business that it is. uh, So puppet master. uh, This Uh so when this movie came out, puppet master was still one word. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed that it becomes two. (laughs) It becomes two words after this. Nice, nice. Uh, So puppet master is a movie uh, about a a puppeteer, a puppet master. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy named Toulon. Andre uh, Toulon. And he makes puppets. Uh-huh. Uh, but he has, at this point, run afoul of Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they can get him at this uh, hotel resort, uh, Bodega Inn, Bodega Bay Inn or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kills himself. Stowing mm-hmm. away these, like, animated puppets that he just has that are just walking around. Um, he puts them away and that's the cold open to this puppet master business. And then it jumps ahead and, uh, we have a a scene of like these psychics with varying sort of abilities and personalities. (laughs) Uh, they all get, they, Uh they all gather together because one of their number has seemingly told them all to show up. And when they arrive, they, it turns out this guy's killed himself. And they're like, well, that's weird. I wonder what this is all about. And it just kind of goes from there. Yes, it does. Um, I, my feelings on Puppet Master is, I think this has got to be the worst start to a mm-hmm. franchise that has as many installments as it does there is. Because, yeah. I mean, if you're putting it like, so when I watched Puppet Master for the first time, and I only watched this movie several years ago, uh, I never, when I was a kid, I remember seeing Puppet Master on the shelves in the horror mm-hmm. section. And those something about it freaked me out a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, Yeah, you think? I, I don't know what it is. It's, but it seemed like, oh, man, Puppet Master, all these little, these little puppets. Man, this looks way too hardcore for me. It's kind of like mm-hmm. when I've talked about Hellraiser in the past, Puppet Master yeah. kind of fit into yeah. that as well.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is for me, too, because like people will remember if you go back to the very first school, school, I talk about my history with horror and the one franchise I just can't watch because my mom made me watch it and it scared the living shit out of me, which is the child's play series. And uh, I thought this one. Was somehow related because you know when you're little you're like you're like it must be the same thing same yeah. idea basically, which it wasn't even that far off because I mean, the amount of crossovers that these movies actually did have it could have happened it still might and then you wait so, till demonic toys, it's, yeah exactly yeah. so like all of these movies I was just like no nah. I was like I can't do it I was like that was too hardcore for me I was like it, it was just too much man mm-hmm. just too much so uh, I I had a very similar experience with you um
0: go on. Oh, so I don't know. So Puppet Master is like, I just stayed away. And yeah. then finally, you know, I'm now kind of like a big horror movie watcher. And it's like, well, Puppet Master is a big gap in my viewing. I should at least watch that first one. Yeah. And like, man, so this movie, like watching it, I actually, I wound up rewatching it just the, the other mm-hmm. night because I figured we're doing it. What, it's yep. the best time. Maybe I was overly harsh on it because the first time I watched this, I hated this movie. I thought it yep. sucked. And um, like watching it now, I'm like really aware. It's got like the vibe of like Phantasm and Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I'm not a huge Phantasm fan. I love yep. Hellraiser. But like, fuck this movie. It's just like, there's nothing interesting about it outside of the puppets are kind of cool the three puppets that you get to see or four puppets you get to see and like the, the characters are horrible you can't get behind anybody in this movie mm-hmm. it's like you have the douchebag with the ponytail and his like and Barbara Crampton's in her special appearance who's just like i don't know she's she has nothing to work off of uh the yep. the, the lead character paul lamont or whatever his name is his gigantic hair and this like little gnome face (laughs) fuck Mm -hmm. he's like gotta be like like who wrote this screenplay and like thought any of these things were like good calls uh i actually the guy who wrote the screenplay he did refer to it as like it's like a uh satanic big chill uh Mm -hmm. which i'm like sure sure uh sure. I think I just did see a uh, a quote from the director David Schmoller uh as I'm reading uh which I haven't brought up. Uh it came from the video aisle inside Charles Band's Full Moon Entertainment Studio, uh nice. edited by Dave J, William S. Wilson, and Torsten uh Dewey. Uh Dave J writing uh, the bulk of it. It's actually a really good book. Like uh I got this like randomly if like several months ago and I had like no intention of reading it anytime soon, but suddenly we're doing this full moon thing and uh reading yep. it. I'm like, this book's been like invaluable for like filling in some gaps for me but uh, Mm -hmm. david schmuller was just like he didn't think anything of this movie uh besides it was a piece of shit uh until it really made a ton of money which it did selling Mm -hmm. like fifty thousand units to video stores which it's like that doesn't sound impressive at first glance but like when you start thinking like well how many video stores were there in america like in like 1989 Mm -hmm. and it's like well i don't know if there was ever like individually like 50,000 stores, but, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. if every single one, one of them bought them and you think about like the rental amounts on that and like, you're making like $70 selling those tapes to those stores, that's pretty mm-hmm. good. It's a pretty good return. Um, but I don't know. So this puppet master, um, it just has this weird vibe of like not enough puppets. Uh, and, and apparently this movie also had like a, an X rating initially, and then it got cut back a little bit for the gore. And I guess like Mm -hmm. the, uh, Dave, I think it was Dave J or William S. Wilson mentions that like, you could track down the German version of it, which is, uh, totally intact and be like Mm -hmm. completely underwhelmed and be like, yeah, there's like nothing really that they cut out that needed to be like, the only thing that jumped out at me watching it was, uh, like when Barbara Crampton gets killed by drill face, you don't see it at all.
1: Tunneler. Tunneler. Yeah. Real. Jesus, it's like it's like Sorry. you don't even care about the puppets. It's like, well,
0: I guess I didn't watch all twelve, so uh,
1: I. Yeah, I'll 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 fill in those gaps
0: for okay. you, baby. So I mean, like, really, I mean, I'm, that's enough for me about Puppet Master. Um, you you,
1: this is why we're here, RJ. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about Puppet Master. Well, as the world authority on Puppet Master, I have a few things to say. Now I need to preface a little bit. I watched. And I'll get there. We'll get there. I watched Puppet Master 1 to 5. And I was like, yeah, these movies are okay. I'm on board with these. And then I watched Puppet Master 6 through 9. And something totally changed in how I am as a person. And so at the time, I I watched these movies. I had an opinion of them. And then once I saw later entries, I was like, okay, those movies, it, it totally warped my view on these movies and cinema in general, like my opinion was just shattered, like everything. So I just needed to say that to begin, because at the time I watched these, I had a something in mind. And then afterwards I was like, wait a minute, are those good movies? So anyways, (laughs) Uh, the first thing I'll bring up is that the uh, letterbox uh, description of Puppet Master is wrong, and I don't know who we got to talk to about that. But the letterbox description uh, says: Tulon, a puppet maker, discovers an ancient Egyptian potion he uses to bring his creations to life. His puppets become murderous little demons and escape. Distraught, the master takes his life, which is in no way Whoa. what ha- what happens in this movie at all. Not I accurate. don't know. I don't know who wrote that, but they've never seen this movie. I think this movie has a wicked intro. Toulon is working on his puppets, and uh, he's got scouts out. He knows the Nazis are coming, and uh, he loves his puppets. They're his best friends. Mm -hmm. So he hides them in the wall of the hotel. This is going to come up again later. Uh, I bring it up now. Um, It's a main point in the chronology of Puppet Master, which I, I got to say too, this has got to be one of the most confusing, convoluted, and contradictory, like, mythos, like, the entire history of Puppet Master doesn't make sense. Like, one movie will completely negate the last, but then the next, or the, but then the next one will like go back to what was just like overwritten. It's insane. It's insanity. These movies. But anyways, so that letterbox thing's totally wrong. Uh, Tuan loves his puppets. They're his best friends. He loves them, and uh, he hides them so the Nazis don't get them. And I think that's a super cool uh, intro because it's not even addressed again in this first movie. Because sp- you're just like, you're like, what's what's up with the Nazis in Tuan? What's going on here?
0: From a filmmaking standpoint, uh, the problem with the opening is it's so goddamn long the, the, there is, is about
1: ju- 10 minutes of blade running where it's like the 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 camera angles a foot off the ground and you hear tippy taps yeah and that that's like 10 minutes
0: yeah yeah from like a cat's eye view uh that like yeah and, and nobody and nobody and, and nobody, and, no, and, nobody and nobody notices like the little fedora Klaus Kinski man with like a hook for a hand running around. He's like not even trying to hide. He's just running.
1: No. Yeah. That's what I thought. That was my first response to or, or thought too. I was like, how does no one notice him? But then also he's like, he's like out of breath, huffing and puffing. They don't breathe. <laughs> it's a puppet. Uh, It's a puppet. Uh, That's Blake. And, and, and there's just like
0: endless, like him trying to get up to the hotel room to warn him. Which yeah. is like 10 minutes long and 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 it's like and it's just these like guys in like Nazi fedora and trench coats yeah. walking around this hotel endlessly like they're walking up and down to build tension in quotes and yep. and then when Blade gets there ahead of them he just goes oh I know we saw them we
1: saw them coming and it's yep. like oh my like what was this like it's just yeah it's yeah. it's a little it's a little bizarre but it's padding time man all of these movies are about an hour and 15 to an hour, 20 minutes. And all of them have about 30 minutes of filler that can be taken right out. Um, But it's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have that. And then you cut to what I would describe as like the magician's circle, where it's all these wizards and like fucking mentalists and, Like, all these people, and they're like, I have a trick. I see the future. And the other guy's like, I see the dead. And then there's the woman who's like, I I pick up on sexual activity. And she's, like, always horny everywhere she goes. And you're like, all right, this is, like, an awesome idea. This sounds wicked. But it's not. It's super fucking boring. Because, like, you have this house full of magicians and a house full of these puppets that are like, we're going to kill all these magicians. And somehow it's still shitty, boring.
0: Shitty characters. That's the biggest shitty, problem. Shitty all, characters. Every there's not a good character in this movie.
1: No, not at all. And I think it really overreaches like it almost tries to be like abstract art house shit. Like the guy who sees the future. Oh, he always sees like this tuxedo dreams. mask. Like tuxedo mask, uh, Sailor Moon character dancing in this ballroom, and it's like alluding to it all the time, and it goes back to it, and you're just like, what are they building up to? And then even the end, like it's got it's got huge ideas. It's like I'm immortal now. I'm this other guy. And I'm just gonna gonna punch you in the face. Yeah, it's like we discovered Tumon's like secret and he's like I control the puppets now and you're just like what the fuck? You're like who is this guy? So I think you were right where it's like this is the worst first movie ever to spawn like to spark such a huge franchise, like series of movies. If it was number 2 or right. any oh, of the you, first look, five this, any of the this first feels
0: five, this feels like a part 5 in like yeah. another in a franchise.
1: Where, where the character like the puppet characters are already known yeah. and you don't have to introduce them again and they're just dropped in this feels like a number five whereas if you had either puppet master two to five if any of those were the first one i think that would have made way more sense like yeah i can see why they made fucking 12 of these but uh yeah no the first one's really really kind of weird in that sense um looking back to in retrospect it does actually have some of the some better use of the puppets than a lot of the other ones do like a lot of the later entries where it actually has puppets killing people you actually get to see the puppets move a little bit mm. where it's not I'll, I'll get there but like you actually get to see some animation in the puppets so it actually has some decent stuff but more it within the first five i think one is Easily the weakest one Because it's it's just boring Of the first five yeah of the first five yeah. This is the uh, I yeah I, I Can only talk about these Movies in two sections One to five yep. and everything After because yes. it is po- It po- is <laughs> like it's so It's such a difference that you, you I, I'll get I'll get there yeah I'll well
0: there. I mean the biggest difference will be that uh, After five there is no budget uh, And it's yeah. like that That's a big thing um, it's huge. So, uh, we're going in chronological order. So, uh, yeah. I, I did some heavy lifting here. Yes, and uh, so, I've watched the next three uh, Full Moon Entertainment films, which I'll talk about a little bit because we don't want to be here forever. Uh, I watched uh, a little film called Shadow Zone. Uh, the yeah. only thing I really remember about Shadow Zone now is it's about a guy who goes to a like some sort of government facility where they're doing experimentation. And it is like kind of a, this movie, this is like, cause I was kind of watching these all out of order and then I just kind of worked my way back. This is the thing that really defines to me like that Charles band full moon uh, aesthetic, which is like, mm-hmm. it's not intentional. It's just like you either have Richard band music, which I'm so sick of, after like 10 days of listening to Richard Band music, uh-huh. uh, I, I hate the farty synth sound so bad. He's not... Far, it's it's farty synth. It's just like... <laughs> uh, uh, you, 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 nice. know, you, you know what to hear it, and every one of these goddamn movies seems to have it. And then when he's not on it and you listen to someone else, you're like, oh, what a breath of fresh air, even if it's like just a mediocre score, but it's just like mm-hmm. not Richard Band. So Shadow Zone's Heart- kind of like... It's like an alien knockoff, essentially. Really? Yeah. Well, it's, but that means there's aliens in it. So it, that, oh. there's no aliens. Okay. It's just like, there's like a biological thing happening. Oh. Uh, and they're trapped in a facility. And oh. uh, it's got that James Hong, the uh, uh, Chinese food restaurant uh, waiter or host from that Seinfeld mm-hmm. episode. He's a scientist. Nice. Uh and there's just scenes where it's like characters are talking at one another. There's no music. There's just kinda of like a low hum in the background. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of that. Um no like How days much. much. <laughs> I'd, I'd much? say at least seventy percent to this movie. Nice. I don't know. It's just a story about a guy and he's trying to save a girl and a bunch of characters who are miserable, uh, mm-hmm. hate their lives, hate their jobs, are all this yeah, they all hate each other and they're mm-hmm. all doing things, setting up the next attempt at like being a spooky movie, but it's just nonsense. This movie like, there's nothing to recommend about this. Um the only reason I even know about this movie is because it's on that list of the thirty three full moon entertainment movies. And it's the second sure one. Is. I couldn't tell you anything nice. about it. the the follow up to that though, uh is Meridian, which is uh, a Charles Band uh number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stars, uh, Sherilyn Finn, uh, of Audrey fame from Twin Peaks. Oh, cool. Uh, I would actually say this is probably amongst the stronger, uh, full moon entertainment offerings. hmm It's a Beauty and the Beast type story. Uh, cool. we have some, some chicks there are in Europe hanging out at, uh, Charles Band's castle because Charles Band used to own a castle. Uh, oh, h- man, h- he's so cool. Yeah, and uh, he would use it as a cheap uh, backdrop for movies to add, uh, lend that authenticity that we all want in our movies, Sh- <laughs> shooting on location. Uh, so this movie opens up with, like, a, a dark carnival, <laughs> so that might appeal to <laughs> the, the juggalos out there. Uh, they, they all come wandering out of a giant mouth sculpture, uh, and they show up at this castle as these two friends are hang- getting together after years apart, uh, one of them is like doing restorations uh, on like old paintings. And like in this movie, it shows that like doing uh, that is the easiest thing in the world. Where all you do is like you take a brush and you just kind of like spin it back and forth around and around on an oil canvas. And then whatever's underneath it will just appear. It's like, wow, that's, that's is all. Is that not art? That That is a real specialty. Like I didn't know it was that easy. Like it's all she does. Um, mm-hmm. So the gimmick of this movie is that this dark carnival people roll in. There's a guy, he's like the, the, uh, David Copperfield and, uh, there's a masked dude and they just perform. They get invited up to the castle. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, roofing going down. Oh shit. Yeah. You know? Uh, we get like dual, like <laughs> basically date rapes happening. Uh, what? yeah, we had dual. Yeah. Cause what happened was it turns out that this, this magician dude, He's, there's two of them they're like twins or something but one of them is a werewolf mm. like a, a
1: real a, yep is that important to the sexual nature of the plot
0: uh y- y- yes no no? no it never really is anyway like right. the whole idea is that like so the poor werewolf brother is like half of this man's soul that got split hundreds of years ago. And, oh uh, no, no, the only way, the only way he can like be free and like uh-huh. be, be allowed to die is if like his like true love kills him and, uh, tragic, very tragic. Uh, so the whole thing is plays out with like secret corridors and Wolfman showing up and like wandering around. Wolfman's always cool. Uh, well, he's he's more like yeah. he's like more of like a beast man, I guess, than a werewolf. Only where it counts, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, nice again, once again, uh, spiral perms appear, uh, permeating nice. this film because uh, it's the late '80s, and we'll be seeing them all through the early '90s. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, Sherilyn Fenn, she's a great screen presence. She like looks like a movie star, mm-hmm. and uh, so definitely, there's. That, that aspect added to it it's a beauty in the beast type of story which i'm a sucker for as we've talked about yeah. uh on that creeps podcast when we talked about uh uh that be doing the beauty and the beast way back when mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean just like coming at this movie from watching all this full moon stuff i didn't really know much about this movie at all uh but i was like impressed by like how like well made it was for mm-hmm. charles band um it's got like oh, the one, the one midget that's like in, uh, like everything. Excuse me. Midget. Midget. <laughs> uh, he's in Warwick like, Davis. No, not that one. Uh, the one
1: from Seinfeld.
0: Yeah. Is that one? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, I'll look it up. Yeah,
0: he's Keep he's going. In, he's in a ton of these movies. Um, nice. Anyways, so yeah, if you're into circuses and like decent cinematography and uh, want to watch like one of five actually good full moon movies, Meridian's for you. Oh, cool. Yeah. What Uh, else you got? Well, I also watched uh, Crash and Burn which has got, like, one of those, like, all-time legendary misleading movie posters with, like, a giant robot on it. And you're like, fuck, man, Crash and Burn? This is going to be wicked. It's going to be just fucking giant robots fighting. No. (laughs) It wasn't? No. This movie was made out of spite uh, by Charles Band because Empire Pictures uh, was keeping robot jocks, uh, which which is Um... a robot fight movie directed by Stuart Gordon. So he lost that movie to Empire Pictures. And I think, like just like he decided, well, I'm going to make a robot movie after all. So mm-hmm. he did crash and burn and he made sure that like, cause that movie was like already well-made at the point that empire pictures was going out of business. He like went out of business, started a new company, filmed this movie and managed to release it months before robot jocks came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie, like people just like who watch it, just complain about the fact that you get about, I don't know, two, three minutes of, like, robot action, and the rest of it is mm-hmm. just, uh, mm-hmm. it's, like, a mix of, like, The Thing at times. Like, there's there are scenes that are full-on ripped off from The Thing where people are, are like, all sitting around trying to figure out who's the skin job because everyone's about, oh, so about God. Blade, everything's about Blade Runner, um, and, like, they're, like, cutting their hands and, like, dropping their blood because if their blood's not, if it's, like, you'll be able to tell yeah. if they're synthetic or not. Uh, so this movie's set, like, in a post-apocalypse kind of dystopic future. Sure. Um, a guy is going, to, again, it's like almost the same idea as like Shadow Zone. It's about a guy going to like some sort of facility in this place. It's like a, like a television station mm-hmm. and like, oh, well, I can't leave because there's like a thermal storm coming from the sun and we don't have an atmosphere anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a fat pig guy. He's got a bunch of ladies on his talk show. He's like a, he's like a post-apocalyptic Rush Limbaugh. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know uh, your boy, Bill Mosley is in this. Oh, I he, fucking hate that guy. he a piece of shit. He, oh, whatever, dude. He's got such a great voice. One, no, one, he's so annoying. He's great. You are you Ugh. Yeah. Uh you don't you and your hatred of Bills, Bill Paxton, Bill Mosley.
1: Uh you're just Yeah, they all suck. Wrong again. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Hey, I found your actor, his name's Phil Fondacaro. There you go. He was in Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Perfect. There you go.
0: I'm glad that he's able to get work. He sure is. Uh, so yeah, Crash and Burn is just like a hodgepodge of like ripping off other movies. Uh, mm-hmm. there's some women showing their tits in this movie. We had some, nice. some sex scenes to like pat out that runtime. Nice. There is like nothing to recommend about this movie again. Uh, it's just like, it's Charles band directed, uh, he just got this out to like get ahead of robot jocks and he was like oh here's an idea we can shoot this on one location and just get some mm. people together and they will interact on the screen mm. vintage band
1: vintage band
0: yeah but i mean enough of that uh puppet master 2
1: what do you want to do here you want me to lay you, it on you here or you, what you, you, t- you talk you talk to me about that puppet master 2 Puppet Master 2, which was released in the year of my birth, 1990. This, there's going to be no hiding it. This is the best Puppet Master movie so far. And I know what you're saying. How can that be? How could they have peaked at number two? And I'm here to tell you that it's true. It's sad, but it happened. Puppet Master 2. Is about a group of ghost hunters, I believe. Paranormal investigators. Me. Paranormal investigators. You'll have to excuse me. It's been ten days now since I watched all these. So, in like twenty they, and twenty-five movies. In twenty, yeah. In tw- and I watched them all in one day, so they they all started to meld together. So, you you keep me straight if uh, if I ever sh- wander. But anyways, so you got paranormal investigators, and they go to this kind of mansion by the the ocean which will be the setting for puppet master four and five as well uh and they're there like trying to investigate some stuff and what happens is the puppets are there and they kill one of the ladies in the house and uh, the other like the kids that are there they're just like oh shit there's some real shit going on here what's up and then you're introduced to uh probably the best character in the franchise, which I called the HG Wells style creeper, like the invisible man type guy. Uh, oh, yeah. This movie has an awesome resurrection scene at the start. Uh, this is Andre Toulon, which I don't think is a spoiler. I think no. you learned that I, earlier. I, I, on. There's like
0: no possible way you could think he's anybody else. Any,
1: anybody else. Yeah. yeah. So he is the puppet master and uh, the puppets resurrect him using the very Egyptian witchcraft uh, formula that he uses to animate the puppets. Uh, So he's in this house and uh, he's got some ulterior motives and you're not really sure what he's doing. Uh, But what he does is, which is pretty awesome is he sends these puppets out to do some stuff for him. He's collecting uh, brain samples and you get two pretty rad scenes where uh, one, they kill a little kid who you don't see, but he's whipping a doll and it is, it is just cinema, just film. That's the only way I can describe that scene. Uh, And then you have a really good scene where they go to like some hillbillies houses and you have this large woman who uh, the new uh, new puppet Torch, uh, who is kind of like wears a Nazi helmet and his teeth are bullets and he's got a flamethrower arm. He sets this uh, this big lady on fire and then him and uh, Blade scoop out the brains. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention. So they all have names, the puppets. There's Torch. Uh, There's Blade, who uh, is the what you said, Klaus Kinski looking guy. Mm -hmm. One of his hands is uh, a blade later in a movie to be called a a machete, I think, by Corey Hmm. Feldman, which is bizarre. Uh, (laughs) His other hand is a hook and his eyes are drills. I thought his name was Wink for the first three movies, and I thought that was a way better name than Blade. Uh, You have my favorite guy, Pinhead who has uh, gigantic human arms, which are usually actual human arms with a little head. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's my favorite effect in all of these movies are his. Hands it's just so like they, when they come just, up from behind. Yeah. George and the animal steel hands. And it, it's just like clearly a real person's hands and arms. Uh, in, in, so finger, and fingerless gloves. Yeah. Fingerless gloves. Uh, you have uh, Tunneler, who's got a big drill on his head, who is not actually in a lot of these movies, even though he's a very cool dude. Um, you have the worst puppet, uh, Leech Woman, uh, which is just the laziest name I've ever heard. Uh, she gets introduced in the third one. They say, "You are the Leech Woman," and it's just like, come on, you guys couldn't think of anything better than that. Uh, and she, then she was, she was had... also Charles Band's least favorite. Well, yeah, well, she gets written out. Oh, she doesn't appear later on yeah. anymore. But uh, th- then you have Jester, who is just a jester. And I think that's it. Yep. So uh, later we get some some new ones, but uh, that's it for now. Uh, so Puppet Master 2, this guy is collecting brain samples, which is pretty cool. Uh, in the meantime, you get some erotica stuff. There's, like, some pretty sultry sex scenes, uh, which is kind of weird. And then uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit, uh, because it. whatever, who cares? Uh, you find out that Tumon, um he's going after the reincarnated woman of his wife that was killed by, I don't know if you find out into what she's killed but uh, he's going after his reincarnated reincarnated wife who's one of the paranormal investigators and he has this plan he makes this potion out of the brains and he has two life size puppet humans or human puppet things and uh, he does this cool thing where he drinks the potion and then he slits his throat over the puppet's mouth and then he becomes that puppet and uh, he's about to do it to the other lady or like to the lady to make her a puppet too doesn't really work out uh but she survives um and then like later you see uh, the movie ends she's driving with the puppets and it's kind of funny because uh there's a scene where someone's like what about all those unanswered questions and uh, someone else is like eh, it doesn't really matter i thought that was really funny and then there's another thing that's really funny is uh the um the creeper guy uh Tumon. he's like really petty there's a guy who's like, oh, I, I like listening to music, and Tumon comes up and picks up his vinyl, and he's like, Oh yeah, this is pretty nice. And then he just drops it on the floor and breaks it. And he's like, ooh, whoops. Whoops. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, this is the best Puppet Master movie. Um a lot of people think three is the best. I disagree. I believe two is the best for a number of reasons. It has a couple cool scenes and a couple really cool images, which I'll put out on the Instagram later. Uh, I was saving them up. I'll, I'll put them out in a big post. But uh, I think the creeper dude, like Tuman, looks really cool. And I think this one actually has the puppets doing doing stuff, which I, I like. Because um, a lot of these movies, the puppets don't do fucking anything. So they're actually doing stuff in this. And they kind of have a story. So And they kill people, which is what we're all here for. So Puppet Master 2 is the best Puppet Master.
0: So I watched Puppet Master 2. Yes, and uh, you've been hyping this up is like the pinnacle peak, hype peak peak master. It is, it is. Um, and like I don't know, I think I think this movie is just like just more of the same boring shit as Puppet Master one. Um, I don't know, it's just like more characters I could give a fuck about. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. like I hate I hate the the hotel setting. I think it's like, it doesn't invite, it's not interesting. Uh, it's yeah. like, it's the exact same idea, too, where it's like the, oh, it's investigators. And the, and the previous one was psychics. And this yeah. one, it's paranormal yeah. investigators. And you don't like any of them. And you're just waiting for yep. the puppets to kill people. And you don't like, I don't know. The, everything about these movies should be way better than they are. And they yes. just never are. Like, they kind of have like, like the puppets, like, they don't really ever resolve, like, the fact they have like, Personalities, or like they respond to things in a certain way, but like I don't know, you just have them talk. Like I don't know, maybe maybe making them silent is creepier. But like I don't know, it's not like these this are is... like it's not working. Whatever like they're doing with these movies at this point,
1: it's not working mm-hmm. at all. Uh, this I'm... is the problem with all of these movies, is that like all we want is to see the puppets doing stuff and you never get to see it because it's always like, oh. I don't know if they're do- doing the jaws thing. It's like, it's scary or not to see it, but it's like when you only see the puppets for five minutes, yeah. y- you feel cheated because it's like, I'm here to see puppets doing stuff. That's all I want. That's the only reason I'm watching yeah. this.
0: I guess like of note too. So this one's actually directed by uh, D- uh, David W. Allen, who is mm-hmm. the man behind all the stop motion of like, any of the Empire picture stuff, full moon stuff. Uh, He, he, yeah, he is the thorough line of any, anytime you've seen stop motion, he did it. And this is the one he actually directed of these Puppet masters. So Hmm. he probably gave him the opportunity to spend more time with getting certain effects and stuff like that working and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think there's like, maybe when I rewatch this in a post rewatching of one, maybe I'll like it slightly more, but for me, I still like, I'm just so indifferent to this stuff
1: yep and that's how i felt too and then uh like at the time i was like no this one's actually not bad i don't i was like i'll keep going with these i liked number two and then i watched all the rest and and i was just like holy shit number two is a five-star movie compared to all these other ones so uh no i i would say if you could only watch one i would watch number two so, I, I have other recommendations, but so far, let's yeah. just say. Okay. That's,
0: yeah. Sounds good. Uh, so, following up from S- Puppet Master 2 is, I guess, like, you would say the the third franchise of the Full Moon Entertainment era, and that's Subspecies. Yep. Hmm. Um. So, this movie i was planning on watching a few, uh, several months ago because um, i was just looking up like weird franchises of like movies and i'm like well i've never seen any subspecies movies and i don't know really anything about it but it seems like it's got these like little homunculus dudes that are like li- lifting this lady yeah. away and am like it looks cool like ah oh. But Because it's like, I always like hope that I love these movies of little, little dudes uh, mm. terrorizing people, kind of like the gate. But I remember being yeah. like pretty underwhelmed with that movie, even though I know you like that and quite a few other people do too. But, so yep. subspecies I was expecting, oh yeah, it's just going to be like a little, little dude movie, which I'm assuming are the subspecies. But no, RJ. Mm. Uh, this is a movie that was shot in Romania. Uh, so Full Moon got their deal together, got it going. Um, I think after this, it's like Castel Romaine, which is actually a studio that still exists to this day. Like Borat shot stuff there and whatnot. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, like it's these... Anyway, so Romania just opened up, was no longer a communist country, but was like living in the ravages of having just been a communist dictatorship for decades. And now it's just like, hey, we'll take your American money. And Charles Band's like, yeah, it'll be cheaper to shoot my movies there. So they, Mm -hmm. they go with it. So he's going to make a vampire movie. Uh, so, subspecies kicks off with an exchange between father and son. Uh, we have, like, mm-hmm. kind of your uh, Christopher Lee like patriarch uh, vampire who's like getting on in age and he's called back his sons uh, to discuss the future. His evil son shows up, Radu, who is kind of the principal villain of the subspecies movies. Ragu? B- Radu. Not to okay. be confused with the pasta sauce. We um, okay. got that joke out of the way. I'm glad. Proud of you. Keep going. Uh, Ra- Radu comes from the school of like Nosferatu vampires, with nice. like o- over his fucking hands. RJ are so goddamn big. It's amazing nice. that this actor is able to perform with these gigantic prosthetic hands. I'm gonna they're, check it out. Yeah, oh, it, they're amazing. But so like, for this guy, I can't remember really, the uh, and Andre Hovey. He's a um, Scandinavian actor like mm-hmm. in just like given hundred and ten percent. Ragu is awesome, RJ. Ragu is awesome. <laughs>
1: his his fingers are so long. They're so big. Oh my god.
0: No. This I, dude's cool. No, he's awesome. Like he yeah. I, he is a highlight of uh the full moon uh oeuvre. Uh so this movie nice. he kills his dad. And like what happens is like his dad traps him in a cage initially. And uh-huh. he, he just, like, cuts off his own fingers, and the fingers fall to the ground. And from those fingers come these little homunculus guys who become his, like, little servants, like, a couple times in the oh, first movie.
1: Yeah, I then, wish I watched this movie. But, but that's
0: it. And so they, like, they kind of uh, lift up the cage. He kills his dad. And it's all about, like, getting a hold of this bloodstone, which is, like, some sort mm-hmm. of, like... Relic of vampiredom that like you just can suck on. And it gives you access to like all histories of vampires and imbues you with like you're the king of the vampires in the world.
1: It's like an infinity stone. Exactly.
0: And so uh, oh. the the main plot of the movie though follows a, a bunch of history grad students who have traveled to Romania to continue their studies about uh, Romanian history. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's all about you know Vlad the Impaler holding off the Turks and stuff like that. Um, and you know, they're just your typical, um, two of them are from America. One is Romanian and they're just talking about things that co-eds talk about boys Mm -hmm. and, you know, homework. Uh, they do, uh, they venture up to, uh, the hills. They come across this old, uh, castle. They, they, uh, get the attention of, uh, Radu. Uh, Radu finds them, starts sucking the blood of one of them. Uh, they also come across this handsome young man who's also an expert in animal behavior, who just happens <gasps> to be around doing a study on uh, nocturnal animals. And like, what's his name? RJ. How- Uh, He's R.J. He's a very striking guy. and He's very obviously that brother vampire that they made a comment about earlier in the movie. Because there's like so few people in this movie. You're like, oh, so Mm -hmm. he's a vampire, right? Because he does the stuff only at night. And he just just happens to be around there also doing his studies at the exact same time recently arrived. But it's fine. So anyway. uh... So. Subspecies. Uh, it just, it turns into your typical kind of vampire, hammer horror sort of stuff. Um, hmm. He starts f- sucking their blood and uh, bringing them into his inner circle. And it's all about mm-hmm. getting that one girl that he really thinks is foxy. Uh, but then like boyfriend, he's like, no, man, she's too good for you. You can't do that to her. Because <laughs> he's, he's a vampire who's like a good vampire. He doesn't want to suck mm-hmm. blood, but he's really pissed at his Brothers just killed his dad and he's got the bloodstone and it just kind of goes from there um this movie is okay it's an inauspicious start to what i think is actually shapes up to be a pretty good series um mm-hmm. i'll talk about that more of two uh radu is just awesome though um the little homunculus guys they're not really in this very much and the amount you see them they don't look great like, there's something mm-hmm. off with the way they're presented. Like, it looks even, like, pretty cheap by full moon standards, but, like, amazing by latter-day full moon standards. If you... Oh. So. I, I follow. Yeah. That's kind of, like, the uh, start here of uh with the subspecies stuff. And then I watched uh, Pit and the Pendulum, mm. which is the first Stuart Gordon film in the full moon entertainment line. Uh, This movie originally started out to be, like, a $6 million budget, like, fucking big deal movie Uh, that got knocked down to like a million in a bit. Yeah. Uh, And they just, they went ahead and still went for it with this movie, shooting it at band castle. Uh, The movie is like your typical, like grand inquisitor of Spain type of thing of, you have a maniac who's just torturing women in his uh, torture dungeon, Mm -hmm. innocent people getting targeted because they're like sex perverts these inquisitor types and just like nice. the like oogle uh, hot ladies uh, under the pretense are they of, Italian uh, no well there's they're 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 like Americans pretending to be Spanish Oh, okay Oliver Reed shows up briefly ooh nice but I think yeah Lance Hendrickson is the mad the mad inquisitor um, uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs is in this as well It's just like a, an aide. uh, Tom Towles, Otis from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is in this and he's like a real oh. piece of shit. Nice. Um, he's just so good at like making you go, fuck, I hate that guy. Oh, he's good. He's great. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a great presence, uh, Tom Towles is. Uh, yeah, no, so this movie I watched a few years ago when I was like kind of trying to get through all these, uh, Stuart Gordon movies I hadn't seen. And at the time, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, yeah, nothing great. Like, it could be way better. Like, this is, like, after watching The Devils with Oliver Reed, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, like, an all-time classic movie. And watching this sort of similar handling of the material, it was kind of like, eh, could have been better. On a rewatch in the context of Full Moon, uh, this movie is (laughs) amazing. Uh, yeah. it, it actually feels like a movie. Uh, Stuart Gordon just like brings so much quality to how he makes movies and how he presents the stories. Uh, mm-hmm. he understands like, uh, structure and characters like, Hey, you have to have characters that people actually are in support of and like are rooting for, uh, give mm-hmm. us some like genuine, like grossness and like, c- like scenes that are memorable. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the whole thing is like this is like kind of like a launching off of like the Corman pit in the Pendulum movie, which is of course out of uh, Edgar Allan Poe and this kind of misses and mashes uh, Edgar Allan Poe stories mm-hmm. uh fairly loosely um of course, it always has the problem of uh that I've always brought up with like when you're portraying witches in movies, the idea mm. that like in like these like unjust uh witch hunts that there's actually real witches. It kind of complicates things. It's like having a ho- movie about the Holocaust where like, oh, actually there are some Jews that are trying to take over the world. You, yeah. you, you just don't tell that story. But with witches, because it's not real, but it was real or was believed to be real. You can do with that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's fucked up. Yeah, but witches were real. But women, but women are real. <laughs> and. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Last I checked. Uh, weird. Anyway, so that's always like an odd thing. It's a, it's a, we've talked about it before at length. Yeah. It's a goofy little thing. Not to, we're not worth really complaining about, but I'll just mention it here. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. this movie's like, but like, yeah, like very good. Uh, I would definitely hmm. recommend it if you're a Stuart Gordon fan. And I can't imagine if you're listening to this uh, episode this deep in, uh, you are not a Stuart Gordon fan, but hmm. yeah, it's good stuff. Sure. Zany. Uh, and then also I watched Trancers 2. Ooh, shit, was that any good? The sequel to Transers. Um so it's been a while since I watched the first Transers, so watching this uh I was reading about how this movie was kind of made like this movie was made like quite a while after the fact like 9 years.
2: Mhm.
0: And uh what the idea was was well, just remake Transers essentially. Like so it's the exact same story, oh. but but it's a sequel. Like it's like He's still like so. Uh, Jack Def is still living in Los Angeles, hanging out with Helen Hunt, who's still in mm-hmm. this. Amazingly enough, um, but there is like a, the brother of the bad guy from Transfers. He's traveled back, and uh, nice. yeah, and it's played by uh, Richard Lynch. Uh, Richard Lynch. Richard Lynch, who is like going to show up in Puppet Master Three huh. as uh, who? the basis of Blade. Uh, oh, he, yes, yeah, he's a weird looking dude. Richard Lynch is kind of awesome, uh, yeah, in other movies. Transfer 2 is just kind of there, uh, it's okay, but there's some real lousy comedy in it. Um, mm-hmm. in when you're watching transfers, some of that comedy is like it works, but here, boy, yeah. they just go to that well over and over and over again. What happens is, like, I think in transfers, there was like a throw, throwaway line that his wife was dead. And in transfers Two, the idea is that they sent someone back in time to get his wife before she gets killed and send her back, mm. uh, to like track down these transfers that are being, uh, sent to the 20th century. And, uh, yeah, that's like the movie is like, now he's like, Aye. well, now I'm in two different, I've got my wife that's dead in my future. She's back, but I'm married now to Helen Hunt. Ma. So, mm that sort of stuff. Uh, there's some cool little slow motion bits that are always fun in these trancers movies, uh, at yeah. least in the two that we watched because we didn't watch three, four, and five because we're bad people. We can just say we did. Yeah. No one will fucking, no one will, no no one will challenge us yeah, on this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I, this movie was like just okay. And again, there's like a kind of a big cult around these trancers uh, and Tim Thompson's yeah. character or depiction of him. It's just like, they're okay. They're, they're decent, but. Yep. I don't know. They're like I mean they're kind of a break from like the usual like uh horror stuff cuz they're kind of more just like kind of sci-fi movies I guess in contemporary times. Mm-hmm. Um with like zombies. <laughs> um but yeah. Yeah. Transers 2. Cool. It's yeah, it's nothing great, but maybe maybe I'll rewatch it will improve. I, I always wonder if I rewatch Transers if it was better cuz I don't really remember too much about it.
1: It's fine. I don't know. Puppet Master Three. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so Puppet Master Three is called Tumon's Revenge. Uh, this is often hailed as the best in the series. This is the first one directed by Mr. David Decotta, uh who you remember from Nightmare Sisters when say we were it's, talking uh, about Decote. Decote, uh, R- David Ricotta, um, Decote. Uh, yeah, we were talking about him about two hours ago. Uh, so this one is set in World War Two. And this one tells the story of how uh, Mr. Andre Toulon got in trouble with those pesky Nazis. He ran afoul of the, the Germans. Of the Nazis. Yeah. Uh, so this one, I think, has a lot of cool ideas. Um, and, like, I think it was good to go back and show the story. And they kind of build uh, on that mythology a, a bit more. Like, So all these movies have, like, this Egyptian mythology kind of supporting them about how like Tumon learned this ancient secret from Egyptians and like it's, it's a little confusing, but anyways, this like touches on it a little bit. You don't really get a full story. And they've already changed the timeline
0: here too, because now it's 1941 and he's still alive. And even though he was killed in 1939 in the first movie,
1: whatever. There's no consistency at all. This is the most convoluted franchise ever. So you go back and you see that uh, he was like in Germany. He was like a doctor scientist type thing, even though he was like a puppet maker. And uh, he had animated these puppets. The Nazis wanted it. Uh, And he was like, no. So they killed his wife. So he's like, fuck you. He puts his wife into Leech Woman, uh, which is still just... I hate that name. It's so stupid. And then the puppets go on a rampage. This is the first introduction of Six Shooter, the cowboy with six arms. Um, he's kind of cool, but all he ever does is goes like, hee And it's like, it gets pretty annoying. Uh, so he goes on this rampage, killing Nazis. Some of it is cool some of it is pretty boring uh i think the ending is cool when he makes a marionette like puppet out of one of the bad guys uh i don't know i don't think this is the best one by any means i think it's it's okay it's out of the top five it's it's not bad it's it's definitely better than the later ones, but I don't think this one's as hot as everyone says it is. See, to me, this one is definitely the best of the three that I watched. Um, in, yeah, in, it's in, the popular in, opinion. In,
0: in the sense that it actually feels like a movie. It has, like, yeah. a purpose and a drive. Like, there's actually, like, a revenge element, I guess, to it. Whereas, like, everything else, is always, like, characters going to investigate and this one's like, oh, it's a guy who's just living his life. And then the Nazis are uh, like, we want what you've got, what you're selling. And mm-hmm. they kill his wife over it and he escapes and uh, he has to rally his puppets who also have goals. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't even feel like a horror movie at all. Like it's just like a, an adve- no, it's, yeah. an, it's an adventure movie. So, I mean, like mm-hmm. this is what you would expect from like the third part of a, like, Direct to video franchise uh, that was like doing huge business. Like these things are like so popular, like in like video stores. Like they're very uh, consistent sellers. And so I think like from yeah. what I was reading, Charles Band like started making Puppet Master three before Puppet Master two was even done because he knew that Puppet Master two was going to be another hit. And so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean this movie's got, like got a little bit more ambition. It finally breaks from the goddamn hotel for one movie. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we got Richard <laughs> Lynch as uh, ba- yeah, as as your baddie, um, mm-hmm. and like yeah, I, I'm not sure in four and five do they explain
1: where a six shooter went and why he wasn't in one and two? Four and five is even crazier, and I'll get there. But four and five <laughs> has like. It, it throws out, like it, it creates this whole new timeline of like what's going on in the, the mythology of puppet master. So four and five stand out on their own as something totally different. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, like puppet master three by default, I feel is like the, the, the better, the, the best puppet master movie because yep. it just, cause it feels like a proper movie. It has like a bit of a drive. I mean. Yeah, I get that. Like that's it. Like that's that is all. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it's like a movie about like how the puppets go from good guys to bad guys, it doesn't even feel like what you would imagine a Puppet Master movie should be. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, well, I guess like it, the elements are there for it to be like a movie that's like competent. Whereas the other ones are just like so boring. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're like if you're not into the Puppet Master vibe, which I definitely am not, these movies yeah. just kind of exist. So yeah. I, I totally understand why people think this is the best movie even though it, it doesn't even feel proper. It's, it'd be like kind of like saying like I don't know like Halloween 3 is like the best Halloween movie that mm-hmm. that would just be ridiculous um, but that, it's only ridiculous because you have Halloween 1, which is like one of the greatest horror movies ever made. with Puppet master mm-hmm. you don't even ha- you don't have that because one and two are both not good movies.
1: Yeah there was a movie uh, that I watched and I did a review of. And I can't even remember which one it was now, but it was about how like saying it's the best piece of shit on a mountain of shit. It's still a piece of shit, you know, (laughs) like anyway, like, yeah, like number three is, oh yeah, I was talking about the later ones. (laughs) Number three is okay. I would say it's, I don't, I think two is better, especially after you watch all of them. But, uh, number three is not bad. Mm. Number
0: three is not bad. Uh, speaking of dolls, uh, I watched doll man starring Ooh. that Tim Thomerson that everyone loves. Oh, fuck!
2: <laughs> so
0: RJ, the first yeah. like 15, 20 minutes of doll man are amazing. Like you for real, for real, you will love it. You have to watch doll man for the first okay. like, 15, 20 minutes. Like they will rock your ass. Uh, Hmm. it it opens up with like a hostage negotiation where like this crazy guy just like stumbles into like a, like, uh, uh, laundromat that's just filled with fat people, like these fat Mm -hmm. women with their fat kids and he's holding them hostage and they're like, all the the cops are trying to figure out how they're going to handle this. And then Tim Thomerson just shows up. who's like playing dirty Harry essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and he just, he has no time for this shit. He, uh, it, it plays out the way he would. And then it like, mm-hmm. he, now he's getting his ass chewed out cause he's suspended cause he's a cop on the edge. Oh shit. But it's like, but it's not earth. This movie is taking place on a planet that like another planet somewhere in the galaxy that just like is earth like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a problem now where like one of his old nemeses, uh, wants revenge on him because the last time they interacted, uh, uh, doll man, uh, rendered this guy just a, f- a floating head on a platform. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so good. Hmm. Uh, it's, it has this great vibe. Uh, the cinematography in this movie... Uh, so this is Albert Pyun, uh, who directed... Excuse like, me? Pyun. It's like a P-Y-U-N. Uh, okay. He, yeah. So he's a he's a guy. He directed Arcade, which we'll talk about. Uh, he directed, like, Cyborg of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, this, like, the first movie of the series of, like... He's, like, an action movie director who... He's not particularly <laughs> good at making good movies, but once in, every once in a while in his movies, they have this like beautiful cinematography and you're just like, whoa, that's gorgeous. That's like a Ridley Scott movie or like a Tony Scott thing. Like mm-hmm. th- these, these moments just sneak up on you. So anyway, uh, doll, one thing leads to another doll man. Tim Thomerson's uh, chasing after his nemesis uh, across the cosmos because uh, he's trying to get away. They, the ships break down. They wind up landing on Earth. And then it's revealed that these guys were living on a planet where they're normal size, but on Earth, they're really tiny. Like, that's the idea is that they're like, on Earth, they're just short people. Or a short little Mm -hmm. people, and uh, we get this is where the movie kind of just goes downhill for me in a lot of ways, Uh, because there's like no attempt at all at like trying to make the illusion work that uh, Tim Thomerson's thirteen inches tall in oh. it's just like, well, they just shot that in a room. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no, like, it's, no, it's this is no incredible shrinking man where it's yeah. like forced perspective and stuff like that. Like actual things that would like make it believable. No, no. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, they shoot a lot of stuff in rubble in the Bronx. Uh mm-hmm. And like where, like where the projects were dem- demolished and there's like all this concrete, but it's just like, no, that just looks like, like he's standing there in rubble. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's, like, in the corner of anything. Like, there's no thing for like, him by, like, a giant, like, electrical plug-in or anything like that. He's just there. Mm-hmm. And he's just not shot at the same time as the rest of the movie. And the rest of the movie is just, like, a Latino gang war type of thing going on that has very oh. little to do with the doll man. And, like, mm-hmm. except, like, they, they find, like, the the head guy who's just a head and they're like, he's got like an atom, like some sort of matter bomb and stuff like that. They, they might use, um, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, James Earl, uh, Rorschach, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Jack, Jackie Earl Haley. Thank you. Yeah. He, he's plays the Latino leader. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so he's in this, he's like, you, you can see him being like, he's far more talented than most people in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tough recommend because like, it's just, it just becomes a generic movie and other than mm-hmm. the fact that you have like your main character who's only 13 inches tall but it's like so shittily done it doesn't matter but the first 15-20 minutes are amazing and you're like oh, hmm. they should have just stayed on this planet and done this movie which is kind of like a transverse type of thing because Tim Thomerson's there but yeah I don't know um, yeah. sounds okay yeah no I, I it's worth it for that beginning I think you'd love mm-hmm. it I think you totally would get it uh, and then I also watched uh, Netherworld which is some real uh southern fried gothic horror storytelling. Sounds like a Neil Gaiman book. Oh man, uh it's like a shitty vertical <sighs> comic. Um, nice. so a guy dies, his son comes to inherit the place. Uh this giant palatial like house is just like right near like a uh, a brothel that's like on mm. the on the bayou. Uh at this bayou there's like uh like this black magic prostitute lady who is taking people's souls and putting them into birds, essentially. Birds? Birds. Yep. Cool. No, no, it's not that cool. No, I'm not cool? No, uh-huh. not, not particularly cool. There's like some like phantasm knockoff stuff instead of like the sphere. It's just like a stone hand mm-hmm. that grabs people's heads. Um, hmm. Several days out from this movie, I don't remember too much of this. Um, nice. It's just like a movie it's a very generic movie that exists. They had this like these mm-hmm. these ideas of what they wanted it to be, I think. And I think like it came down to like Charles Band heard that like it was cheap to shoot a movie in like Louisiana and it wasn't. Like it wasn't any more cheap. It was just like, oh, you have to go do that now. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. Not much to think about with this one. It's just there. Nice. Yep. Not well, very- let's roll. Let's keep rolling. Okay. Demonic toys. Ooh shit! I watched that movie. We we, we both watched this movie. Yeah, did you, Was this a rewatch for you or a first time watch? First time watch. Well, because shit. All right. Well, cause, you, cause, you cause, take cause, it, baby. Well, spoilers, folks. Because the reason I watched Demonic Toys is because you, if you got if you're gonna watch uh, Doll Men versus Demonic Toys, you better watch all the lead ups or Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. That's right. Uh, so Demonic Toys, uh, this movie, I was amazed at how basic this movie was it's like one location for its entirety outside mm-hmm. other than like the the street in front of the one location the whole movie is going to be set in front of uh, it's a drug bust gone bad uh, Lady's partner gets gunned down by these criminals she managed to injure both of them but but they managed to run away into a warehouse that's like a toy factory mm-hmm. Um. But it turns out that this toy factory also happens to be like a, a building where uh, a like demon force has like set up some occultic bullshit, uh, waiting for some guy to just like mm-hmm. come across and bleed into to activate it. So it's kind of like a lazy uh, child's play, whereas like in that like Brad Dourif like actually has to write it all down because he was like a, a lunatic but also a Satanist. This is just like oh no, the devil set this up for this one occasion that someone's going to wander in gunshot and bleed into it and then be able to manifest itself via toys. Uh, this movie is really drug out. Uh, there's just a sc- no. There's scenes of just people waiting in rooms and waiting and talking and waiting for other people to come back. Uh, uh-huh. Well, but it's all like setting up these potential scares. Um, this movie—it just feels like a knockoff of so much stuff. Again, Hellraiser is in there, uh, mm-hmm. Child's Play, but it just goes nowhere. I think I like overrated this film. <laughs> like my memory of uh-huh. this is like this isn't very good at all. Um, it's like I mean, I mean, it's yeah. it's not Puppet Master bad, but. I don't know. It's it's. It seems like David S. Goyer, who wrote the screenplay for this, I think he had a lot of like good ideas that are completely mm-hmm. blown by the director not being able to like communicate atmosphere well. Because this movie has no atmosphere. This is like where I was becoming annoyed with like the Charles Band vibe, like just like mm-hmm. characters talking with no music underneath it, and like when you do get music, it's like fucking Richard Band, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know it's just, it's, this movie felt, felt like an eternity where it's like, and it's like when it's all set in like one building and people just going back and forth, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, come on. The one thing I'll give it is like, I mean, but they don't even pull it off that great, but they're like the, the uh, the way they depict the demon is this kid with like long fingernails mm-hmm. and like trying to get yeah. inside this woman's mind and you get the flashback to like the history and of this demon womb. and stuff like that and trying to get into that womb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just like not a very well-made movie. And
1: it's hard to even like have a feeling about this thing. So I know what you're saying. Uh, So this is the first David S. Goyer that we're going to encounter. There's going to be two or three more. Um, I think you're right. He had some pretty cool ideas because I think he does like – He I mean, dude wrote some of the Dark Knight and the Batman movies, so I don't know, like, what portion. I'm I'm suspecting Jonah Nolan wrote most of it, but, like, he had some part of those. So he kind of knows how to write stuff. And I think this movie has a few cool ideas. Like, I really like the demonic possession stuff. I like the ritual stuff where they're sacrificing people. I think the little kid demon is cool when he's in his clock, like reality playhouse thing where they like, uh, they go to a different realm. I think that is pretty cool. Uh, I really like uh, how some of the toys come to life. Um, like the teddy bear is really cool when it turns giant and just like hulking through things. Uh, I think this movie is, uh, in a really funny way, like a god versus the devil thing when you get the little like, uh, toy soldier guy come out and it's god, kind of. Maybe not god, but like, a good spirit versus a bad spirit. Uh, I think that is pretty funny. Uh, this movie has some amazing dialogue, like when the little kid says he's going to shotgun out the birth canal. <laughs> and then I think you had one that you thought was pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was about like, uh, cause there's like the,
0: the, or one of our protagonists, he's like a yeah. guy who hates his fast food job. And he's like just smoking mm-hmm. in the back room. And then like uptight managers, like, is that a cigarette I see on your lips? And he just no, it's your dick.
1: Mm-hmm. Classic. Classic. Yep, it's classic. Like, uh, wait, why is his dick in your mouth? Like, there's, like, no follow-up. Yeah, it but, doesn't make sense. Yeah. But But uh, I think that's funny. Um, Puppet Master plays in a TV for, uh, like, two minutes in the background in this movie. So we got some overlap there. Um, no, I actually thought the Monarch Toys was okay. This was one of the first things I watched after <laughs> my uh, Puppet Master run. So uh-huh. it's like I said, I think – I honestly think – that day ruined me forever for movies. Like I don't, I don't know what's what anymore. I don't know what's good and what's bad. I've just, I just know that I'm, I'll never be the same person. So that's how I I feel after this week. Yeah, I know. That's why it was like, should we do the podcast? And it's like, we fucking better because if we don't, we're just going to watch more and it'll never end. Mm -hmm. So, um, would you, I actually like demonic
0: toys. Would you like to hear what, uh, David S. Gorrier had to say about demonic toys? Yeah, lay it on me. Um, so, <clears throat> these films were relatively early in my career. This is from his website, talking about working for a uh, Band. Like many people, I was a fan of Stuart Gordon's films, Reanimator and From Beyond, so I was intrigued when I got a call from Band to come in for a meeting. Band was an affable guy, an unashamed schlockmeister in the Roger Corman tradition. His office was decorated with large-scale painting reproductions of old Ditko and Kirby Marvel comic covers. Ban made me an offer. Write two low-budget films for him, and I could direct one of them. But the deal was I had to write them each in about a week's time. He showed me me about a dozen posters with pre-sold titles. I picked Arcade and Demonic Toys. With Hmm. Arcade, I figured I could do some kind of AI, internet-gaining self-consciousness kind of thing. With Demonic Toys... Well, the poster had a killer teddy bear and a jack in the box, so fuck it. Sounded good to me.
1: Uh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's nice. I like it. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. And we'll get there when we talk about arcade. But, mm-hmm. uh, yep. David S. Goyer, man. Mm hmm. So,
0: uh,. After that, I watched Seed People, which uh, I guess I should have oh watched uh, the other week when we did the Invasion of the Body Snatchers episode, because that's all this is, a full on, unrepentant, just fucking knockoff mm-hmm. of um, of, of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but without any okay. film craft or anything of the like. Uh, but you got to look up what the Seed People look like, because it's not like people are just like guys that are plant men now. No, they like mutate. Into like three foot tall plant monsters with <laughs> that only walk on their those forearms. Those are cool. Yeah. I like those. There's a transformation yeah. scene. Uh, oh my gosh! Um, I, uh, I, th- these look oh. pretty cool. I don't know what the problem I is here. 100 fell asleep uh, a couple times watching oh. this movie in like on a Saturday afternoon, oh. and I had no interest in going back to watch this thing. This thing is like this one's got a bad rep of like just being like totally nothing uh so this mm-hmm. is also directed by uh uh what's his name Dave Minugian, uh Peter Manoogian who also uh uh directed Demonic Toys and he his description mm-hmm. of this movie is like fucking no time no money they just made it it's like a piece of hack work nothing special and I'm like well he, he has gotcha. like some self-awareness but I mean at the same time you look at his track record of movies and it's like yeah he's he's not very good <laughs> but um there you go mm-hmm. yeah Seed People is definitely uh, at the bottom of the full moon oeuvre that I would watch. Nice. Awesome poster. Nice. Sweet, sweet poster. Looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched Bad Channels, which I wasn't planning on watching, but then I found out that like one of the characters from this also leads into Dollman versus Demonic Toys.
1: So, oh, Jesus. These movies cross over too
0: much. <laughs> well, I mean, fuck it. It's like, I mean, they, uh, I think Disney learnt all they learned from making crossovers from Trump's yeah. band. You heard it here of first. Course. Um, so bad channels is a movie about, uh, aliens coming mm-hmm. to earth to get up to no good. So what right. this movie starts off with, is like a disc jockey. If you remember those people, uh, this guy's a mm-hmm. jerk off. who's like running a promotion for this radio station. That's like six, six, six on the AM. And, mm-hmm. uh, He's playing polka music until he someone calls in to, like, unlock him from these chains he's putting on himself as a promotional gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the people that's part of the company calls it in. People are like, oh, I think the fix is in, but maybe it was genuine. haha, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, the movie gets going. Aliens happen to land. And, of course, mm-hmm. like there's, like, some question about, like, oh, this is just a, a publicity stunt. This is a publicity stunt. Aliens was show it? up. No. Aliens showed up. Uh, and they're, they're kind of like, um, it's like a mushroom alien. And he's got like, he's got a robot sidekick and they're just like mm-hmm. going about their own business. Like you can't do anything about them because they're way like they have their technology is way more powerful than just like a regular person's. So they're just like doing stuff in the radio station. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what they're doing is they're using the radio to broadcast this like wave inducing hypnosis thing on women around that are established uh. in the film and like they basically get seduced by like rock bands that show up like mm-hmm. like blue oyster cult who does like i think all this music in this movie and but they're they're doing Weird. like different styles of music like for different women they'll be like i'm really into punk music i'm really into metal music i'm really into ballads and like those do mm-hmm. like a song that like they start dancing to but no one else can see and then they disappear and they wind up in a test tube and uh, oh, these, these aliens okay. are, like, collecting foxy ladies. Nice. That's the movie. Um, is it good? <laughs> it's fun. Okay. It's enjoyable. I think you would enjoy watching this. I, I think this fits into that, like, sorority babes type of uh, oeuvre. Oh, but without, nice. Without, but without the, like, explicit sensuality. That's what I'm there for, dude. No, it doesn't have that. But uh, I think this movie, I think, is goofy. Mm. And uh, it's, like exactly what you expect. I mean, it feels like five years too late. Like if this movie came yeah. out in like 1986, 87, people would be like way more into it, but it's mm-hmm. like buried in the full moon catalog. And I've seen I some gotcha. people, I've seen some people not be fans of this movie, like just not into it at all. But I don't know. I, I think it's like a fine, uh, film. It's, uh, definitely a lot better than, uh, a lot of other movies, uh, we still have to talk about, but yeah, that mm-hmm. is okay. <laughs> Nice. And uh then I watched Doctor Mordred. Uh What's that about? Do you uh well, if you, if you really want to know, uh it is Charles Band ripping off Doctor Strange. Oh, cool. With, with completely 100%. So mm-hmm. Charles Band tells this story um uh, about how him and Jack Kirby were good friends. Mm-hmm. And uh he had gotten Jack Kirby back in Empire Pictures to do some like drawings for potential projects. One of them being this movie called Dr. Mortalis, which was just a full on like ripoff of Steve Ditko, Dr. Strange. You look at the drawings, Mm -hmm. you go, Oh, so are you going to like pay Marvel for this? Like, aren't you afraid Marvel's (laughs) going to come after you? Like this is just a full on Mm -hmm. ripoff, right? Uh, empire pictures goes out of business. That's the end of that. But so Charles band, uh, decides at some point, I'm going to do Dr. Mordred. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to pay Jack Kirby for his ideas either. And nothing. Like, he's just, I'm going to make this movie finally. It's going to start <laughs> Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Mordred. And he's got an amulet. He lives in New York. He has an apartment. And he fights, like, <laughs> Doctor Baron Mordu-like villains. And that's what our movie is. There's, like, a monitor. Oh, it's just blatant. But this movie, you <laughs> could definitely feel that, like, way more effort was put into this movie than any other uh, full moon movie, like the budget and stuff like that. Like it feels like Mm -hmm. more of like, it feels like a real movie and it's Charles Mann directing with his dad. Um, And I mean, watching this movie, I couldn't help but like kind of appreciate it for like a a low budget 1993 superhero movie. Um, I'd say that it's like, better movie than Tim Burton's Batman because I think Tim Burton's Batman movie <gasps> what I think that movie sucks I I, I think oh yeah my, you suck no that movie hey when I found out that it was going to be Brad Dourif as Joker at one point and we get fucking mm-hmm. hammy old Jack Nicholson as fucking Joker instead it makes me so mad that movie's mm-hmm. like, I think that movie is super lame. Uh, and <laughs> totally misremembered is like a great piece of film. Yeah. And it's like, no, that movie sucks. It's a bad Tim Burton movie, it's a bad Batman movie. It's terrible. It's okay but, for you to be wrong sometimes. Yeah. Well, Batman, no good.
1: <laughs> no good. Okay. Continue.
0: So, right. Dr. Mordred, uh, got, pretty good. I, I think it's uh, a pretty okay movie. Like, it is the definition I... of okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it's, I wouldn't rush out to watch it. Um, I think I'm going to have to watch the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Doctor Strange here. Uh-oh. And and we'll see if that clarifies things. Because like I said, uh, after spending like a whole week of watching just full moon movies, uh, maybe my mm-hmm. brain's broken and we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. But I might also watch that 1978 Doctor Strange TV movie and really uh, live it up. Well, if you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> um, so then, RJ, you watched yep. Robot Wars. Oh, fuck.
1: (laughs) Just just, just a mere
0: couple hours ago.
1: Yeah, I watched this movie called Robot Wars, which apparently is a sequel to Robot Jocks. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to talk about this very long because this movie fucking sucks big time. Yeah, this one one Uh, seems to
0: be universal and people not liking it at all.
1: It's just boring. Um, So it takes place like 70 years from now where... There was a nuclear, or like a, to- they call it a toxic pollution fallout or some shit like sure. that. And uh, you have Barbara Crampton and some other lady, and they're investigating because they think it's a conspiracy. And then you have uh, Chinese diplomats coming in. And then at one point, the Chinese diplomat takes over the last of the robot warriors, which is like a scorpion robot. And, um... And then in the last five minutes, uh, they unearth a different robot and they fight in one of the worst fight scenes you'll ever see. And it's less than five minutes. And that is the entire robot war. Uh, this movie is half Barbara Crampton riding in the robot with like half of a bike helmet on like their bike helmets. They just took off a bunch of it. And then the other half is the robot pilot, like being a nice guy. And he's like, cause like Barbara Crampton's like, leave me alone. And he's like, what are you, you don't want some of this hot stuff. It's like he's like mad that she's not into him. So uh, Robot Wars is super fucking lame and boring and no one should ever watch it. However, in this post-apocalyptic uh, dystopian future, they pass a movie theater and on the <laughs> banner it says Puppet Master 54. And this is the la- this I just watched this two hours ago. This is the last movie I watched. And for these fucking guys to ha- to have the audacity to put that Puppet Master 54 in there, I couldn't believe it. Well, I couldn't
0: believe it. And it's hilarious because at this point, all they know is there's going to be like one more Puppet Master.
1: Yeah, they're Actually, not even up to well, four yet. You know
0: what? Actually, uh, I think maybe by this point, uh, Charles Bannon is now talking about how there's going to be a movie called Puppet Master, the movie. And the reason this is called that is because it's going to be a theatrical film. And it's going to be like, this is it. We're going to put us on the map with Puppet Master.
1: I god, I can't believe it, but uh yeah, yeah it, on. it, it's uh, only there's only been 3 and they're going up to 54 uh, and I come on. Have a have a sense of humor. Come on. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not mad about it. I was just so <laughs> taken aback. It's like sound bad. Sound bad bro. It, well, I just I think it's funny that Charlie Band is just like, "You know what? We're going to make these movies forever. This is my legacy." It kind of so, is at this point. And it kind of is. Yeah. But yeah, Robot War sucks big time. <laughs> Avoid. That's all I have to say about it. You know what doesn't suck big time?
0: What? Bloodstone, Subspecies 2. Ooh, girl. Keep going. Yeah, so uh, this is the uh, best subspecies film that I've seen at this point. I still mm. got uh, Vampire Journal to watch. Which, according to uh, Dave J in his book, it came from the video while. Well, he says it's, like, one of the best movies in the full moon movies. And I'm, like, wow. really, oh, like, oh. interested by that. So I'm going to have to watch that probably tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie picks up right where uh, Subspecies One left off. Mm-hmm. Uh, except they've replaced the actress uh, who was left for left to become a vampire, I guess, at the end of So Species mm-hmm. One. The, our boyfriend, good vampire, he gets fucking killed right off the bat. Uh, Radu's back. Uh, we get <sighs> we, we get a cool regeneration scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we get William Shatner's daughter showing up, uh, playing the sister to now turn vampire, but doesn't want to be a vampire girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just get, like, stuff going down uh, as, like vampire wants girl girl runs away takes the bloodstone vampire wants his his goddamn bloodstone back he goes to, get to his mother this like ancient <laughs> old crone vampire that's awesome like all the scenes of radu and his mother are so good and i'm just like you know ugh, subspecies would be like amazing if it was just about vampires and doing vampire business with no humans mm-hmm. no like relatable characters just like cool, monstery stuff. And I understand the reason most movies never do that is because doing that stuff costs money and you have to have like people doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have to have like humans, like talking to the police, hanging out in hotel rooms, going to libraries. You have to have that stuff because it's storytelling, but I'm like, nah, it's going to be a vampire movie with like gross fucking vampire shit. And like you get like the real, like messed up worldview of vampires, like investigate Mm -hmm. that. So we get little bits of that in some species too. And they're like really cool. Um no this movie is just like a good vampire movie like uh, hmm. for like a I I'd say for like a B directed video vampire movie this thing's like great Uh yeah. I would say that like it's like 3 is like it Sounds cool No it's I'm cool yeah. It yeah I would say if you want to check out them then subspecies uh Radu stay for the Radu uh maybe watch mm-hmm. it with some ragu on your pasta
1: Look at you! Nah. Look at you go!
0: Yeah, no, this one's like I'm very enthusiastic about it. I don't have a ton to say about it, but like, like I don't know. It's just like okay. a it's super straightforward, uh, good little vampire movie. Mm-hmm. Not nothing nice. made, not nothing groundbreaking. Uh, it's no near dark or anything like that, folks. I know
1: you all love your mm. near darks, but that movie's not that good. Uh, compared to full moon movies. Come on! Yeah, but we can't compare normal movies to full moon movies. Come on. <laughs> Okay, RJ, you watched Arcade. Oh, God. Uh, This is the second appearance of uh, Mr. David S. Goya. Uh, This is directed by Albert Piong. He did Dollman. As Disgust. As Disgust, yep. And that Captain America movie people really like. Um, So I watched Arcade. The one with uh, J.D. Salinger's son. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, so Arcade is David as Goya, uh, which you explained why he made this. So this is evil AI. Um, it actually like has kind of a cool setup where it's like this virtual reality world where it's like the thing is actually trying to kill you. And it turns people into like zombies kind of that are stuck in the game. Uh, this movie looks like total fucking garbage. Uh, it's not the CGI like VR stuff this movie just looks like garbage. Like, I don't know what was going on, why they didn't film it good, but it, it just sucks. You want, like, would you like to hear what, uh, Albert had to say about this movie? Uh, yeah, uh, the only other thing I'll say is just two things. There's a lot of like really stupid cheeky stuff like, you know, that'll rot your brain. And it's like, all right, whatever. And then there's a side story about like the main character's mom committing suicide. And I feel like that's David Goyer like really reaching for it. But it gets lost. I don't know. Uh, Arcade's not very good either. So what did the dude say? So production began on Arcade in March 1991,
0: uh, back to back of Dollman. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was planned for a release of February 1992. Yet the initial cut of the film was not released in Europe until July of 1993, only to be subsequently withdrawn by Band himself, With the final Mm. version eventually released by Full Moon in March of 1994. So, when you you consider like the turnaround and like standards of Full Moon, and this movie was buried, yeah, Yeah. you're you're picking up on some things that are definitely issues. So, what went wrong uh, so from Albert Pyun uh, being asked about it. Uh, the budget for arcade was $750,000, I think. I mixed okay. the budgets for arcade with Dolmen, so I can't really say. Uh, I do know that the effects side was a disaster, and I was a bit mm. lost on what to do about that. Charlie really had to come in and finish it. I think my vision was too difficult to achieve, and just the <laughs> script by David Goyer and I came up with was just too irresponsibly complex and ambitious. Charlie's Charlie's idea was a haunted arcade. Uh, It should (laughs) have stayed that way. I decided on the whole VR idea, much to everyone's regret. It was too Mm -hmm. ahead of the curve for what was economically feasible. My fault. I like the performances in the film, though, and much of the real-world scenes. A great cast that worked very hard. I think they brought a realism to the scenes, but I really botched it with my inexperience with those types of effects, and I really didn't shoot the live-action material correctly. Charlie had to come in and fix it all. I had a misguided concept of how to do it, but the technology and my skills with it weren't there yet. I left the film in a mess to go to make Nemesis. In hindsight, it was terribly bad behavior of me to leave Charlie and Deb with that mess of a cut. There might have already been some conflict between me and Charlie at that point as well, which accelerated my departure. Regardless, I deeply regret how it ended. Um, wow. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, that
0: movie is a fiasco.
1: Yeah, it sure fucking seems like it. It's, I don't know, it's like, like there's some cool stuff there. It's just bad. It's, <laughs> it's a shitty movie. Like, it's one of the lower ones in the, this whole gamut. Well, how about that Mandroid Mandroid is pretty good, actually. Um, So do you know, uh, just to mention this right
0: now, so uh, Mandroid and Invisible, they are also part of that uh, Dr. Mordred, uh, Jack Kirby deal where uh, Charles Band had uh, gotten a bunch of concept art done by, or done by Jack Kirby mm-hmm. for, uh, ideas for movies that were pitched. And then they never got picked up by Empire Picture overseers. Cause they were just like, yeah, hmm. cause they just like get a bunch of art. Cause that's how Charles Band works. Hey, what, yep. what looks appealing? What do you want to make a movie about? And they pick what they picked. They didn't pick that. And so eventually he went back. Cause originally it was, I think it had a different title to Mind, Mind Master.
1: Um, Mandroid's way cooler. Uh, but my it, master it actually fits more it, with what the movie is going on. I yeah. Guess. And
0: then like, well, Mandroid is also actually already in, uh, a, a previous Charles band produced movie called, uh, the eliminators. It's got a Mandroid mm. in there too. Okay. So, uh,
1: yeah. So Mandroid's not bad. It's got one of the cooler posters. It's a guy in a wheelchair with a lightning bolt into the Mandroid, which is actually a spoiler because that it's happens in, at the, the very <laughs> end of the movie. Yeah. The very end of the movie. um, I think – so watching Mandroid, I was like, man, this really reminds me of like Hellboy and BPRD, like that whole universe because you have this Mandroid, which is basically like you put on goggles and you control this Android and that's all it is really. It's like used for science. Um Which, like, this old Van Helsing type guy, like, whatever the professor in Hellboy is, it's, like, his robot, and he uses it for science. And then there's, like, this shifty German or Russian, like, one of the evil countries, like, one of those guys. Eastern European. (laughs) Yeah, like, one of those evil European guys is like, I want it for the military. Um, So, uh, yeah, so you have the mandroid, you have the old Van Helsing guy, you have, like, the daughter who's, like, or daughter or niece or maybe no relation. Doesn't matter. She's like this like tardy little blonde thing. And then uh, the German guys try to take over the fort. Uh, One guy gets thrown into this ice cooler of crystals and he becomes invisible. Uh, And they take the evil German guy opens up a canister and gets poisoned in the face. And then for the whole movie, he's like this maniacal villain with like acid face. And he wears this like copper mask That's like kind of cool, actually. And he's cool because he like enlists this hobo to do his evil doing for like his evil biddings for him. So like this whole time I was watching, I was like, man, this really feels like it would fit in like a BPRD or even just like a comic book Mm -hmm. or even like a TV series. Like a lot of these movies, it's like I feel like this should have would have been better as a TV show almost. Um, This movie's not bad. It's a little bit boring, uh, which I guess is the the major hit on it but uh, out of all these things it's one of the it, it's not it's not like super bad like i don't feel like i wasted time watching it it's just not great either so man man okay yeah you're down with Android's that android right. it yeah it's i said, think mandroids okay let's go that sweet poster and it it, uh, it ends with a uh, a setup where it's like they'll be back in uh, invisible the chronicles of benjamin knight which we'll talk about later yeah uh,
0: yes we will um So I watched Dollman versus Demonic Toys. Oh yeah, how was that? So this movie is the culmination of Dollman, Demonic Toys, Mm -hmm. and uh, one character from Bad Channels. Because as I was mentioning, when people were being shrunk down to test tubes, one of the chicks didn't get returned back to normal. So she's been left to live in the town as like whatever, like nine inches Mm -hmm. tall. And so Dollman has heard about this chick and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go find her and hang out with her. We can be short together, mm-hmm. which he does. Uh, and this, of course, also crosses over with demonic toys. Um, the The character, she's been like st- the one woman from the first movie. She's been staking out the mm-hmm. toy uh, factory, waiting for <laughs> like bad things to happen again for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, bad things happen again involving like a hobo who's just like riding around on a tricycle drunkenly. And then he just nice. tips over and cracks his head wide open and just bleeds and bleeds to death. He's dead. Like, it's nice. it's so fucking funny. Um, let me read to you Tim Thomerson's thoughts here when asked about oh. doll man versus demonic toys, doll man versus demonic toys. Oh, that was awful. Wasn't it bloody awful? But, you know, Charlie talked me into it. He said, look, it'll be fun and we'll make some money. So I said, okay, (laughs) let's do this. And we laughed our way through it because Tracy Scoggins is great. Always fun to work with and great to look at, you know. At least she was then. That's the worst. At least she was then. It's like, fuck. Uh, I had made Charlie a deal. He said, we're only going to use you for a week. I said, okay, so let's get the money right. And whatever happened after that, I haven't seen it. It's not good, is it? So, that's wow. That's, this movie is an hour long. Approximately 15 minutes of it are recap from the previous 3 films. Um mm-hmm. but this movie's like fun to watch. Like it, it, I enjoyed so much of this Sounds movie. pretty cool. The demonic toy stuff, like the baby, the demon uh toy is so yeah. fucking hilarious and vile and gross. Oh, mm-hmm. and like yeah, uh what's your what's your name? Uh, not so great looking now, referred woman. Whatever. Scougan. Fuck, she's hot. Tracy Scougan. Smoking hot. Ah, oh, you creep. Mm. Mm. Yeah, she's huh. a beauty. You get to see a lot of her in a bikini in this. But yeah, no. Uh, I this you movie people creep. people shit on this thing, but like fuck, I think it's like genuinely like uh good, like in the sense that mm. it's like like when I watch like a bad B movie, at least like make me laugh out loud or chuckle, and this one did it. Like many of these movies mm-hmm. don't do that, so. I'll take a Dollman vs. Demonic Toys over a Puppet Master 1
1: any day. You're probably right to do that.
0: But hey, Puppet Master mm-hmm. of number four, am I right? Whew, okay. So so, th- so this is where I drop off. This is uh, RJ territory.
1: So Puppet Master 4 and 5 go together, but... Uh, I- so it's kind of weird. These feel like it it was supposed to be one movie. They were. Or it should have been one movie. Yes. But in an attempt to make money, they're like, let's split this up yes. into two movies. Yes. Uh, which is too bad because I think if this was one movie, it would be the best Puppet Master. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that right now. Um, so Puppet Master 4, uh, you're back in or you're in present day now and you're at the hotel again. And you have this like computer whiz guy who is basically the Jack Nicholas and uh, Jack Nicholas. Uh, he's basically like the, in the shining. He's like the caretaker for the hotel in the off season. So he's there and there's no one there, but he it, he likes it because he can work on his science and he has like little robots that he plays laser tag with. And that's all fine. Uh, his girlfriend calls him and is like, I'm coming over. And he's like, all right, whatever. Uh, and she brings like, Ah, uh, this other girl who is like, she's in quite a bit of these movies, actually. Um, the fuck was her? Yeah, you you get you get two hotties is what I what I'm trying to say here. Um, two girls, and then this guy comes, and this guy's like a real piece of shit. He's like talking, he's like, oh, I'm working on top secret stuff. I get my work from these people, and uh, you know we're we're doing these things, and then the young guy's like. Uh, he's like, yeah, I know. And the shitty guy's like, what do you mean you know? He's like, well, it's my work. He's like, I send it to them. They work on it, and then they send it to you. And this guy like, is all embarrassed, but he's like, still shitty. So they're in the hotel, and the puppets are in the hotel. And they kind of cross paths. And the robot guy is like, oh, you're cool. You're puppets. We're friends now. And they are. And the puppets are good. But then what happens, Jared, is these movies introduce something totally different which is totally awesome and they completely drop it after these two movies and it was a total mistake they introduce an egyptian demon who looks like one of the guys from clay fighter 63 and a third uh, like that n64 game he looks like one of those guys he's like this huge Uh, skin on bone kind of thing and his face there's no mouth it's like covered over by like skin flaps and he's really weird looking he's an egyptian demon that has a grudge against andre tumon because andre tumon stole the egyptian secret to animate his puppets so this demon has his little he's got like this little shrine around a crystal of these like little dudes in hoods and they all control totems which are like, uh, gremlins basically so there are these little gremlin things that they send to the hotel to kill all the puppets and reclaim, like to take back their secret and these totems come out in the hotel in some cool ways like one of the girls is um, a psychic and she opens up a Ouija board and it comes through the board and stuff and uh, they start fighting and what you have this movie Puppet Master 4 is puppets versus gremlins and it's absolutely actually really cool uh like because the gremlins are the size of the puppets and they all fight each other you have all the puppets here except for leech woman which is good because she's useless against anything because all she does is spit out leeches at stuff very slowly (laughs) Very slowly. But uh, you have one of the coolest scenes in the entire franchise where Blade and uh, Pinhead hold one of the uh, gremlins on a wall and Tunneler like, just blasts through him. And all this stuff with the Egyptian demons is really cool. All this stuff with the gremlins and the puppets is really cool. You get a new character who is like uh, a new puppet, which is the reincarnation of Andre Tumon. And his name is like the Decapitator yes, or something yeah. like that. Uh, and he like changes his head. Uh, Puppet Master Four is actually pretty cool. It's got it's got some really cool stuff in it. Um, it just sucks because the first half is kind of boring because it's clearly stretched out for some reason. And then the movie when it ends, it totally just ends, and it's just like you're like, what happened? You're like, what's going on here? And so you're just like, all right, well, I guess this like. I don't think they tried to hide it at all. Like this was supposed to be one movie and they're like, we'll finish it in the next one. We just want people to buy both of them. This is a to be continued, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. So it's really shitty because I think if these two, if four and five were one movie, it would easily be the best because it's got some of the coolest stuff where it's, it actually has the puppets like fighting other things. And it's like, that's all you want in any of these movies, well, you, well, but you it's know uh,
0: After uh, puppet master five, there was plans to make like a trilogy called the puppet wars.
1: <laughs> oh man, that would have been so much better. Then, so much what better. we get. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get there, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really too bad. Uh, four, four is pretty cool. I think four is the second best one. Uh, four and five are both pretty good. Um, i'll I'll talk about five later, but sure. if you wanted to, I would say watch one to five. If you could only watch one, watch two, but uh, one to five are worth watching enough. Four and five have cool enough scenes that they're they're almost worth worth like watching. So anyways, that's puppet master four. <laughs> and what are we talking about next? Invisible Mandroid Invi- okay. two. So the uh, aforementioned, yeah, the setup for Mandroid, um, which is teased at the end, Marvel's or what Marvel-style stole with the end credit. Because at the end of Mandroid, you see that the bad guy who you thought was dead doesn't die. And the poster where the guy gets put in a wheelchair, he's there. And the invisible guy is in a hospital. And it sets up the sequel. So you have the sequel now, Invisible Chronicles of Benjamin Knight. Uh, This one is... Not it's not as good. Like Mandroid One was actually like had decent enough parts. And Invisible has a few cool parts. Like they actually have a a few car stunts where like you flip cars and they blow up. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then uh one thing I thought was really cool in uh, Invisible is the bad guy has like an army of hobos now, like thirty of them. And they do stuff like they go out into the woods. And they'll saw a tree down into the street so a car will crash. And uh, they get it so that there's like they wait, they they crash a car and there's two young girls in them and they steal them, they make these young girls dance naked on dinner tables while they all up- applaud. And I was just I was watching it. I was like, what what is this? Like this army of hobos is like, like stealing these women to be sex slaves. It's really bizarre man. Uh, So that's what's going on and then in the side you just have the cops are investigating the people because of the events of the first one and then the invisible guy comes back. They're trying to cure him. Uh, The young daughter gets kidnapped and they go save her and they battle and it's Mandroid and Invisible Man versus the toxic face dude and his army of hobos. So uh, invisible is okay. It's all right. Mandroid is better.
0: Yeah. The one thing I was reading in the book here is that like invisible seemed to be like a very more adult version of like, <laughs> like yeah. of these other movies we've watched because it's like the things you're describing where it's like yeah. sex workers and kind of like seedy. And it's like, I don't know. It seems like quite a CD. Well, dep- yeah. It seems like a real departure from like everything that we've seen or come to expect from our full moon movies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's a little seedy, man. It's a little weird, but uh, in, like In Invisible has a couple cool parts, but uh, I don't know. It's it's all right. Hmm. Well, that's too bad because it's got such a good yeah. poster, too. Yeah, this this one also has like a super cool poster, but uh, uh, I would I don't know. Mandroid is OK. Mandroid's worth a watch if you're interested in any of that stuff. Mm hmm
0: cool uh, so bloodlust subspecies 3 uh picks Ooh, up shit. right after subspecies 2 leaving off uh, like the exact same the exact beat it does a brief recap that's completely unnecessary uh but yep. the movie just it continues on um uh radu's back he gets resurrected once again um and it's just like all sorts of stuff happening once and more so uh there's one bit in this movie that is like Straight out of a David Lynch, uh, like Twin Peaks, where it's like like a time lapse of uh, what happens when like radu and his crone mother who are back with uh vampire girl they're like teleporting and they moved off to the f- new fortress that they're in and there's this like crazy light show of flickering and all this like, simple effect of like running like a bunch of lights and having them flash kind of like in a sequence left to right and it creates this like kind of shifting shadow effect that like I'm surprised I don't really see it more often and like I it actually kind of reminded me of just like these brief little moments in like um david lynch or like that weird time lapse of like the um the convenience store uh gas station with like all that crazy breakdown of lights and i'm like yeah like in that it's like super stylized but in this it's actually like stripped down in this like really practical way that like like any mainstream movie could actually pull it off and it would look really good um and then oh what's the actual plot of this one this one is definitely a step down uh, from the second one. And, but it's like on the same level as the first. So, I mean, three subspecies in, I've yet to be disappointed though. Uh, I've, so I've heard that the, the in between movie that's like, kind of like sets up a bunch of characters that show up in four are in the movie vampire journal, which I think is from 96, uh, that I haven't watched yet. I haven't confirmed if it's good, but I've heard it is. And then, uh, subspecies four I've just heard is just like, just slightly less good. Um, But anyway, Uh, uh uh (laughs) that is my uh, subspecies uh, walkthrough at this point. But RJ, you need to tell us a little bit more about Oblivion.
1: A little bit more about Oblivion. I don't think I've talked about Oblivion at all. So (coughs) Oblivion is this weird movie that sounds pretty awesome because it's a mix of sci-fi and Western. And it has aliens, and it actually has a lot of really cool stuff. So Oblivion is about this, like, future world where it's the Wild West again. and But there's also aliens and, like, robots and androids, and they all kind of inhabit this place together, which is pretty cool when you think about it. And uh, it actually has some cool set designs, especially, like, uh this dude Carol Strucken. Uh he is like the fireman, the giant from uh Twin Peaks of the Return. Uh he's in this and he plays like Death, the Mortician. And his house is like a huge uh ca- like casket, like a coffin, and he has this giant top hat. He's pretty cool. And uh there's some cool side stuff too. Like the bad guy is um my buddy, uh the wishmaster himself, Andrew Divoff. <laughs> um, which I thought was pretty cool. I didn't know he was in this, and I thought that was neat to see. Uh you have that uh Foxy lady from uh what was she from? Uh Wild Wild West. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Musetta Vonder I, I've from never, I've never seen it. From uh well she's also in Oh Brother Where Art Thou and in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh ah, of course. So uh she, she's she's a cool dude. Uh, This is actually has like an all star cast. It has Julie Newmar, uh, George Takai, Isaac Hayes, uh, like all these people in there. Uh, Jimmy Skaggs, you know him. Uh, It's got all these people and it's got like some cool stuff. Um, There's like in the desert, like of the West, there are these like mutant scorpion things. Um, the bad girl. Uh, her name is Lash. She has like an electric whip. That's cool. Uh, this movie's super fucking boring, and uh, it has your favorite thing: uh, guys in red face. There is a completely white person playing an Indian, and uh, they refer to him lots as the Native Man and uh, things like that. It's it's a little bit dated. Um, this mostly feels like it was supposed to be a TV show. Uh. It, so much that like, I don't know, man, like this, this should have been a TV show or something, but it's got a lot of really cool ideas, like things that I actually really like, but, um, I don't know. This movie sucks too. It's just boring. (laughs) Once you get like through it, you're like, why, who cares about any of this? So I got three things,
0: uh, yeah. To follow up on. So a mandroid invisible, there was actually okay. there was a planned third movie that never happened called the Legion of Doom, and it was supposed to be like <laughs> it was like it was supposed to be like the, the whole team assembled, like the like, yeah all it should be like a like a Fantastic Four movie essentially. That okay, was, but they made a poster that looks awesome, but no movie. Yeah, uh, mm. The other thing. So so Bloodlust subspecies three that was like the that was also made in Romania, and then from that point that's when Castel Studios started, and Oblivion yeah. was the first movie ever shot there. And apparently the, uh, oh. the Oblivion set is still there in the middle of like this, like field in Romania, this Western. That's,
1: that's kind of
0: cool. Yeah. It's kind of the appeal of this, like for like, I was reading the thing with the director, but uh, I don't know if you noticed who actually, uh, wrote the screenplay for this. No, I, I Com- didn't. Comics writer, Peter David, uh, wrote the screenplay for this. Um. Peter David of, uh, like, uh what fame? uh, he wrote Hulk for like a decade, Aquaman, oh, uh, Supergirl, tons. He's been around forever. He writes like Star Trek novels and that's like how he wound mm-hmm. up knowing, uh, George Takai because when he wrote the screenplay, uh, he, okay. he wrote it for like a white guy. And then they were like that John Ashton or something, that was his name. And they couldn't get him to come and they're like, Hey, I can get George Takai. He's a star. And he's like, Hey George, how would you play a role? that's like, not like about an Asian man. And then apparently he ad-libbed yeah. all those horrible lines, like beam me up <laughs> Uh, George like
1: Takei really bad in this movie. Yeah, no, he really appeared, bad.
0: He's like, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's George Takei in general, but yeah, he. Uh, yeah. Those were all those, and like, I think uh, Peter David tells a story about being at San Diego Comic Con uh, showing this movie, and those lines would mm-hmm. come up, and people would go, "Oh,
1: Peter," and he'd be like, "Fuck, <laughs> and I didn't write that." Um, yeah, um, George Takei also does uh, does like this Western accent that you can't really. You you can't pay attention, though. It's like the weirdest thing. It's like, what are you doing, dude? It's like no one else is doing accents. Yeah. You shouldn't do an accent either. So, anyways, Ugh. yeah. Oblivion's not super good, but it's better than a different movie I watched later. Oh, well, I don't know
0: if it's any worse than uh what I would say the worst full moon movie I watched, which was Lurking mm. Fear. Lurking Fear is real bad. Um so this is a, oh. a, a purports to be based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. Uh, sure. But it's like H.P. Lovecraft by way of Resident Evil, like uh. the movies. Um, this is yeah. ju- like I, I fucking hated watching this movie so much. It just is so generic. Mm-hmm. It's just like and it's like comes about later, like watching hideous in Blood Dolls uh, where you have these like characters who are just unlikable. Like and they're all shouty and they have guns and they're supposed to be tough guys. It's like in this I don't mm-hmm. know what they want to be. Like what are these movies? Who are these characters for? And there's like this great little thing with like these underground like ghoul chuds that like nice. sh- they, they show up eight minutes from the end of the movie for like forty five seconds and they're like, Where's Aww. the where's this movie? I want this to be the movie. Like, but no, yeah. We just have a bunch of people They're all vying for the same secret shit at some like old monastery, and there's ghouls underneath, and Mm -hmm. no one gets along. And they're like the two women are always just calling each other bitches and just undercutting each other, which like shows up in all these like latter day band movies. It's just like, is this how he views the world? It's like, Mm -hmm. this is all he thinks. These are what movies, this is what movie making is now. Uh, Lurking Fear, I like kind of hated and it's easily the worst movie I've watched of the full moons like hands mm-hmm. down and I mean that includes ginger dead man
1: oh jeez. yeah this is worse than that
0: I I would argue lurking fear is definitely is, is definitely worse uh, ginger dead man well we'll talk about that later
1: yeah um, all right puppet master five puppet master five the final chapter do you believe it
0: <laughs> it should have been
1: uh, this movie, so it's like I said before, this is actually just four and five are the same thing. Uh, it literally picks up right where it left off. Um, actually, so a few things. Uh, this is like the most contradictory of the movies because the movie is called The Final Chapter. The tagline is an all-new evil, even though it is exactly the same as the first like the movie that just started it. Uh, and it's called The Final Chapter, but the ending is open-ended, like setting up a new series, right? Um, which I'll, I'll get to. So Puppet Master 5, uh, the kid, like the super genius, is in the police station because um, those people died from the first one. And he's like, hey, it wasn't me. It was puppets. And they're like, sure, whatever. Uh, and then the guy that he worked for was like oh it was puppets let's go get them so him and a bunch of other dudes go to the hotel to steal all the puppets Uh, there's actually a really funny scene where there's two like executive guys in this and they're talking to each other and one guy puts a tries to put a hand on the guy's shoulder and he's like don't touch me and like they walk away but it's like in the back of the screen almost like I feel like that was real life like one actor was talking to the other and was like don't fucking touch me Uh, and I don't know why it was really funny But uh, so you get more of the gremlins fighting the puppets. Uh, This one has my absolute favorite scene in any of the Puppet Master movies, Hmm. which I'll put on the Instagram later. It's not cool. I it's already overhyped. It's just I think I already told you. I think Pinhead is really funny. Um, And there's a scene where like his one of his hands comes on the side of a wall, and his other hand comes, and then his little fucking head peeks around, and it's so funny like the proportions of the the human hands like George the animal steel hands to this little head it's it's awesome it's so much fun so I, I really like that uh, and then the way it ends you have the Decapitron guy fighting um, the demon whatever uh, the they totem? win yeah. the totem holder and uh, the way it ends is the smart guy takes these puppets home and uh he said that he is the puppet master now and you're like okay we're moving ahead for the for a movie called the final chapter they just set up a whole new world um but they didn't and uh this is the end of what i would call the watchable puppet master movies (laughs) this is the last one that era this is the the era of uh, vaguely watchable Puppet Master movies. So it's like I said, it's too bad. Four and five as one movie would have been the best one because four has the best puppet action, like the scenes where they're fighting the gremlins. And uh, five is just a little bit more of the same. But uh, yeah, it's too bad. Too bad. Cool. Um, so I got three
0: more here and then you Jesus got- Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So Shrunken Heads. So this is the one mm-hmm. I started off with because I just seen a lot of people talk like highly of this, like it's like one of the best yeah. in the full moon movies, and I was like, what the hell is this? Uh, this movie's nuts. This is yeah. like I'm kind of mad that I started with this because I should have saved it till later. Because my word, so this movie is like kind of like it's contemporary, but it feels like a '50s throwback. It kind of embraces. Charles Band's love of comic books. He's got a bunch of three kids who are all like, oh, man, let's go to the newsstand and pick up some comic books. Oh, man, they got Green Lantern. Oh, they got The Flash. And they're just, like, literally reading comics from, like, 1994, uh, Mm -hmm. flipping through them. And they're getting bullied by the Jets, like, straight out of uh, West Side Story. They're called, (laughs) I think they're Vipers, I think, in this movie. Uh, And they're a bunch of jerks and uh, they are picking on these three kids three kids are like I'm really getting sick of those goons and they asked the newspaper man who's uh, from Haiti uh, what mm-hmm. they heard oh, I heard you're a police officer what would have you done with kids like that if you were if you back in your country he's like well I would have collected evidence against them and then given it and you should give it to the police and then send them to jail so the kids are like yeah sounds like a great idea so they go and get uh, one of their parents camcorders and like mm-hmm. film them like uh, stealing, like, stripping a car in the middle of the street in this, like, fake little, t- like, Los Angeles backlot town. Mm-hmm. um, And they send these bad kids up the river, but one of the kids does not get caught, and he goes to, like, the local, like, mob boss, who's just, like, your like typical dyke woman from this, like this type of movie where she's like a butchy woman with her like lipstick girlfriend and stuff like that. And okay. I have to lay this out. This movie feels like a kid's movie at this point. Like it feels like a movie aimed at children. All right. Okay. Um, and At this point, nothing crazy's happened. Right. Um, yeah. And then what, one thing leads to another and these three children are gunned down in the street under with machine gun fire and just dead. And you're like, huh, well, Mm -hmm. that's that. And then you get like grieving parents and like this whole thing about dead kids, but at the same time, it's never like laying it on too much. Um, But then like the Haitian newspaper man, he feels really guilty that he sent these kids into the situation and they wound up dead. So he does the only sensible thing and that's like go to the uh, open casket funeral home where they're being kept and cuts their heads Mm -hmm. off, um, takes their kids, the dead, like the kids' heads home, boils them in a pot uh, stitches up their mouths and eyes and gives them a second life as shrunken heads. And mm-hmm. then there's a scene where the kids are waking up as shrunken heads and they're like, oh, this is weird. I wish I was still dead. He's like, no, that's a great thing. You got all these powers now. And they do. Like one shoots electricity <laughs> um, and then he's he sends them out to get revenge for the dead kids against these bad people who killed them. Um, but it's all like still, like one's like a vampire floating head. And it's directed mm-hmm. and it's like got a, uh, so this movie is like the people involved with the making of it, uh, they're like the Elfmans as in Danny Elfman and his brothers, uh, who back in the day, they were weirdos with, uh, with Oingo Boingo. Uh, and they did that forbidden zone, like cult classic movie way back in like 77. And this mm-hmm. movie is like applying those sort of weird wacky things to like a nineties, like Charles Band making a kids movie. And it's not like, mm-hmm. so One thing we haven't talked about, so Charles Band, while he had this full moon thing going, he was also like broadening the horizons with Moonbeam, which was like another like subset, which he was doing for Paramount, which was making kids movies. And there's like that movie Prehysteria, which is all about like the like little dinosaurs oh, yeah. of that kid. Uh, he was involved with that, which was like a monster hit when full moon. Yeah, uh, I saw that. When full moon collapsed, uh, they they wanted to keep Moonbeam. Mm -hmm. because there was money in that because you could just make these kids movies and they would be rented forever and ever and ever. People wanted Mm -hmm. kids like cheap little kids movies and he was delivering on that. Shrunken Heads is like an evil version of those things because like this movie is clearly not for children, but like it has the feeling of it. What a just a strange, strange movie that like is like unlike anything out there. Um, So uh, a recommendation, I guess. It's not, uh,
1: it it doesn't sound bad. It I I, like I, I think
0: it's totally, like it's a movie that like is better to, like almost like to maybe spring on somebody be like hey you should watch drunken mm. heads and be like what the fuck because there's no frame of reference like this is a movie you should watch with Andrea.
1: Are you sure? Because I tried to watch uh, <laughs> sorority babes and the slime ball bowl Rama and this is what she said this isn't going to be porn again is it because like the time that because it was on Letterboxd the Jim Winorski film uh, Hooters on Haunted Hill or whatever I thought it was going to be fun and it just turned out to be porn that was real porn too oh. not just the softcore stuff like in Nightmare Sisters so
0: right oh <sighs> boy so speaking of another good movie I watched Dark, Dark Angel The Ascent Ooh! Uh, so this is a, another. This is like toward the end of. Actually, this is mm-hmm. the last official movie of Full Moon, distributed by Paramount. So it's probably the least seen, but also potentially one of the best. Uh, mm-hmm. So this movie is follows the adventures of a demon chick. She is a demon from <laughs> hell. In the movie, oh, nice. the, the movie opens up in like this, like. Harmonious Bosch-esque hell, where people are just being yep. tortured in hell, and it's like it's hell, like it's wicked, like it's a really cool depiction of hell. Uh, mm. Like, not to- I was not expecting this at all. Yeah, there's some like Jacob's ladder-like head effects, um, mm. and then it's like about this girl who's a demon. Uh, and she doesn't, like, want to be a demon anymore. She's like, oh, I, I want to leave. I want to do other things. And her parents admonish her, say they're going to kill her if she leaves. She takes off with her dog, a German shepherd, who's, like, I guess a demon dog. He's just a dog. He he mm-hmm. follows her up to Earth. Uh, they show up in, like, what's supposed to be kind of like New York, but it's clearly just Budapest. So it kind of has this odd vibe to it. Like, But this movie really does kind of feel like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in a lot of ways. Just, mm-hmm. like, with, like, no money. This movie is, like, pushing the, like, the barriers of what you can do. But, like, it's actually, like, a yeah. well-told movie. It's not, like, a great film or anything like that. But I, like, like this movie a lot. Um, What's her name? An- Angela Featherstone is the main character. She's, like, not in a whole ton of a lot. She was actually in uh, Con Air, though, for, like, a second. Um, mm-hmm. She's, like, that really, like, kind of, like, almost orange haired girl with like big bright blue eyes that's just like enjoying uh, John Cusack mocking the speech that they're getting Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah no this movie is just like it's about this demon uh, on earth who wants to make the world a better place by just killing and sending bad people to hell for doing bad things it's like a it's like kind of like a superhero movie urban dark vigilante movie kind of like a Spawn Um, I like spawn. You like that spawn. I think the depiction of hell here is much better, uh, than, than (laughs) than spawns. It's CGI hell, Uh. which is like something else. Um, but yeah, no, like this movie, I think is like probably like, like I said, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but like, it's a total surprise. Like, wow. Like if they might've been able to keep going, making movies, maybe they would have started making more movies like this. Hmm. Interesting, if true. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. So there's two movies they made after Full Moon was done. And so what happened there was Paramount. Yeah. Uh, they had people changing over at Paramount, and they are looking at like the money they were giving Charles Band to make this crap. Uh Because yeah. like they wanted like a, they wanted volume, but when they see like a movie like Doll Man versus Demonic Toys come through, we are like, mm-hmm. this is a one hour long movie, and 15 minutes of it are just stock footage. Like, mm-hmm. like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> So they just finally said, yeah, we're going in a different direction. And that was that. Um, So again, Charles Band just says, well, fuck it. I'm going to keep going. I'm I'm going to keep doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. So he got to keep two movies that he released himself. And one of those was Castle Freak, which I guess like is a movie that uh, Stuart Gordon and Charles Band just like decided to make. They didn't clear it with Paramount. They were just like, yeah, we're going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just go make the movie. We'll clear it later. Which is the sort of thing that like Paramount was getting concerned about because there was like no oversight yeah. on like how this stuff was going down. Um, but fittingly enough, Castle Freak is the best full moon movie there is. I've, like I've heard this before. Like with without a doubt, because um, yeah. it's like a real movie. Uh, mm-hmm. the, it has atmosphere. It's got like crazy violence uh, visuals. It like just mm-hmm. feels like a real movie. And the funny yep. thing is like when I watched this a few years ago, I was really disappointed with it and I did not like really care for it much at all. But like, I just kind of vaguely remembered like, Oh, it's like, cause it's based on like one of my, my favorite Lovecraft stories, which is like uh, the mm-hmm. outsider. And like, I, I remember like that was like the first HP Lovecraft story I'd ever read. So when I was watching this, I was like, Oh fuck this. This is stupid. Like it completely doesn't do what I wanted it to do. But mm-hmm. Watching it, watching it now in hindsight with all full moon stuff and like watching it now is like a movie on its own. It's like, this movie's rad. Like it is like gross and mm-hmm. violent. Oh, it's, it's a, actually like a pretty for Stuart Gordon stuff. It's like up
1: there. I think like, is this the highlight of the whole run of, of full moon?
0: Yeah. We're, yeah.
1: I, I just mean, no, just in everything
0: we've talked about. So oh, far. Oh yeah. Like without a doubt, yeah. it is like, I could be like, no nice. people like, as a horror movie, people should watch castle freak. Um, hmm. I mean it's to me, it's like, it's a seven out of 10. Like it's not like a, yeah. it's not like a fucking all time classic, but I mean, um, it's the one that like you know if you just watched one of these movies, watch Castle Freak, uh, mm-hmm. and after that, Pit and the Pendulum, and after that, you you got to start accepting the the boundaries of full moon's limitations as far as mm-hmm. budget and <laughs> film craft. But like, because like basically, Stuart Gordon got to play by different rules. Mm-hmm. And like someone actually does mention that in the book too, but like everyone kind of had certain constraints they had to follow, but Stuart Gordon didn't because well yeah. I mean, he's Stuart Gordon. Um, so like, so everyone else was making like episodes for a television series and then Stuart Gordon shows up and just knocks it out of the ballpark with these like totally, uh, above bar, uh, the bar sort of, uh, features. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Castle Freak's rad. If you like dick stumps and balls (gasps) and like tits getting bit off and people just getting fucking murdered horribly, Castle Freak, ace. Hmm.
1: Sounds cool.
0: And then you got to watch Oblivion 2, which was the other uh, uh, last film to be released after Uh, the collapse.
1: Oblivion 2 is one of the if not the most boring out of any of these movies I've seen. Wow. Doesn't mean it's the worst. There are worse movies. Well, out of the run I had, there's worse. But Oblivion 2 is easily the most boring. Um, Picks up where the other one left off. But now there's like a bounty hunter coming to town and everyone's scared. And then he gets there and then... He's like, all right, let's get let's get the bad guys. And they get the girl who has the electric whip. And then she's in jail for about 50 minutes while oh, other characters oh, talk oh, no. about whether or not they think she did anything bad. Hmm. That, and that is the entire fucking movie. I'm not even kidding you. At the end, Jared, there is this super fucking rad giant turtle thing that erupts out of the earth. And it is so cool. And you're like, whoa, where did this come from? And it's there for a minute. And the characters run away from it. There's no, that's it. It shows the turtle and then they all run away from it. And that's the end of it. Get away from that expense. Yeah. But they, like, (laughs) they had it there already. It was already done. I don't know why they couldn't just, like, keep mm, it going. Well. But anyways, Uh, yeah, that one was, that one was real bad, man. It was, it was very, very boring. There's nothing to talk about. Well,
0: that's the end of full moon entertainment, but we're not done yet. Oh God. (laughs) What else? Um, so full moon features, full moon studios, whatever you want to call it. It's been so God, I was like only about like a third of the way through that book. And then I started flipping ahead and reading through more chapters. And it's like, Holy shit band is just like all over the map. He is trying to stay afloat mm-hmm. so bad. Um, but we're still kind of in the early days of that. Um, so early on he starts like, he's got like a whole suite of movies he wants to make. Uh, mm-hmm. one of those is head of the family, which is Ooh. yet again, another, uh, kind of like knockoff of a Jack Kirby concept. This one yep. going back like 40 years prior, uh, in some obscure comic book that nobody knows until this existed. But, uh, yeah, Head of the Family, mm-hmm. what can be said, uh, this movie starts off pretty strong with some, like, mm-hmm. very post-Tarantino-style writing and dialogue and characters. Oh, but, dialogue's so good. But, like, not, like, Tarantino dialogue, but, like, real, like, fucking mean, stupid dialogue mm-hmm. that is so funny. Like characters, the people talking the way that you wish they talk in movies, because it's at least hilarious. Because it's just so dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see a lot of banging in this movie. Yes, you do. Uh, with uh, my new favorite actress, what's her name again? <sighs> Creep. Uh, Lovell. Lovell. You gotta
1: yeah. watch. Uh, you gotta watch Nightmare Sisters for some of that sweet Michelle Bauer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jacqueline Lovell from uh, Forrest Gump. Come on. Yeah, that's her only movie. Uh,
0: she's in... <laughs> then, uh, no, no, no. Then she's in a whole lot of porn and softcore uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Something he, called movida 2000. Yeah, exact. There you go. You summed it up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, Anyways, keep so, yeah. talking about Anyways, Head of the Family. Head of the Family. Jacqueline, yeah, Jacqueline Lovell. She's wonderful. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I imagine if I'd watched this movie when I was 13, when this movie came out... I would have, like, rewound a lot, injured my penis. My God. Yeah. She's just bouncing up all around this movie. Good Lord, man. So this movie is, like, about this, like, kind of, like, low-life southern hick guy who Mm -hmm. winds up kind of, like, working for this, like, head man. This man who is a head. He's, like, one of a quintuplets. Mm-hmm. Uh, one the, where it's like here's a giant dumb muscle man, here is an eyeless guy, and here is like a chick with huge fake tits, um, yeah. and they and they are like trying to do something. They're, they have some sort of goal in this movie. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, he experiments on people. That's right. Yeah, That's he, has, it. he has like a whole yeah. bunch of cells where he's doing lobotomizing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so this like period. I've seen. I, I'm not going to get into these movies. I watched Hideous yeah. with an exclamation mm-hmm. mark, and I watched Blood Dolls. Uh, the thorough line between these three movies is they all feel like like Rob Zombie's favorite movies. Kind of. Because, like, yeah, they're so yeah. similar. They're not as well made as a Rob Zombie movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, when people give shit to Rob Zombie, I get kind of mad. Because, like, no. He knows what he's... He's a pretty decent, like, director. He just needs a better writer. Because, yeah. essentially, it's like him trying to direct, like, a Charles Band movie from the 90s. Is what, like, House of a yeah. Thousand Corpses feels like. Because that movie, like, it looks... It's so much like these things. Mm-hmm. He's like, awful, shitty, loathsome characters standing around, arguing in rooms, talking and talking and then you get some like, gro- some, like mm-hmm. moment of a gross thing happening and then they go back to talking and moving into different rooms these movies are all just the same uh, they're not horrible 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 movies but they're just boring and not good mm-hmm. you wish they were better especially head of the family apparently it was like quite the hit like apparently it is like the highlight of this era uh, there was talk of a bride of the head of the family to come Ooh. never materialized but uh, and you look at that that hideous movie poster it's wicked Head of the Family poster awesome Blood Dolls it's just Charles Band loving his dolls and making, mm-hmm. making one make more movies with like miniature dolls but like they're not as good as the old days even um, yeah I don't know man Head of the Family was pretty disappointing for me
1: uh, yeah, I liked head of the family. Um, it is kind of boring. There's a lot of people talking. There's not enough gore, or killing, or anything like that. But you do see the big head a lot. And I actually, I just thought the dialogue was so funny. Like the guy's like, "You're you're a little, uh, you're a big turd in a little bowl." I was like, "That's funny." <laughs> and then the guy talking about like, he's like, "You don't slaughter the dairy cow. You just skim the milk." I was like, "Ooh, shit." This guy's got some deep stuff. And uh, the one that really made me laugh is when the guy with the eyes takes his glasses off. And the guy was like, holy shit. He's like, you got some big eyes there, brother. It, it's something like that. It, yeah. I thought that was really funny. But uh, I thought head of the family was all right. I like the big head, giant head. The the
0: um, the compositing of making him appear on the screen as other characters though is like so shitty. And I'm like, wow, yeah, like yeah, this could have been done better. Like it's like it's yep. you, oh, man. It's such a missed opportunity. I had expect I had high expectations for Head of the Family, and I don't know why. It's my fault for doing that, I guess. But yes. I expected more. Damn it, Charles mm-hmm. Band.
1: Yeah. Well, that Otis guy looks like Will Ferrell though, so that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I Um, thought
0: so. Yeah. And before I let you take it away with the Mm -hmm. uh, wrap-up of Puppet Masters (laughs) 6 through 12, Mm -hmm. uh, I watched watched Ginger Dead Man. Oh, God, what was that like? The legendary Ginger Dead Man Mm -hmm. is nowhere near as bad as you would think it would be. Uh, I think maybe they get, Mm. they probably get worse as they go. But this movie is like kind of bad in how unremarkable it is. Yeah. It is like every generic shitty slasher movie that's ever been made with very little money. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of Jack Frost, the um Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I follow. Yeah. It's just like, oh hey, here's an idea, and it kills people. It's mm-hmm. blank, but it's a killer and it kills people, and there's jokes and there's puns and not not even in this one, it's like some guy's blood winds up in the like gingerbread mix. And then Mm, this. That old chestnut. That old eh? chestnut. Yeah. And the guy's like a big wrestling fan talking about how he's going to wrestle Palooza (laughs) and it's an open challenge and he's just going to like show up and wrestle. Just like you Mm -hmm. really do. So that just annoyed me. Uh, Yeah. This movie's like, it's about all. So the movie opens up cold Turkey with like um, Gary Busey robbing a restaurant. That sounds good. It's just like, it just opens with him. Like there's no buildup. He's just in there robbing the place. I I can't even stress. Mm-hmm. It's just it opens up with him with a gun, and he like shoots the father, and then he shoots mm-hmm. the, shoots the son, and then he goes to jail off camera and is executed off camera, mm-hmm. and then somehow, I guess his like soul or voice gets into the gingerbread man, and <laughs> then he like terrorizes people inside of a bake shop for an hour. Cause this movie is like an hour long hmm. and uh, a lot of these are, and this movie, no, most of them are an hour and a half. Like, well, the yeah. most of the ones we've hour been talking 15, about, hour 20. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Like usually I, yes. I check the time till about one Oh four and then I go, Oh, thank God there's only like 15, 20 minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this is just like nothing, nothing to talk about. It sucks. And, yep. uh, I, there's like whatever, five of these, and there's, Jesus. and there's, like, evil bong movies. It's just... Oh, oh, my God. How did we get to this? They make money. That's all he's about. How? Because stupid people, RJ. Really fucking dumb people. There's some really dumb people. Mm. Bell curve, man. It's real. Some Jeez. real low-functioning IQ people out there go, oh, yeah, whatever. It'll be good.
1: <laughs> evil bong trippy, dude. Yes.
0: And and Charles Ben's aware of that. He, he, mm-hmm. he taps into that. When, like... <laughs> whatever it was, uh, Evil Bong 420. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's all I got to say, because whatever. <coughs> we, have, we have Puppet Masters to discuss, or for you to monologue Jay. about.
1: So, as I said before, 1 to 5 is something else completely. 6, or 1 to 5 are like decent enough movies that are worth watching. <laughs> I think if you had to watch any, you could just watch, if you only wanted to watch one, just watch two. And if you are actually into the series, you could watch one to five because there's some good stuff there. Six to 12 is some of... And I'm not... I'm This isn't hyperbolic here, man. This isn't exaggerating. Puppets, Ma- Puppet Master six to 12 are some of the worst fucking movies I have ever seen. Ever. And I watched some pretty bad stuff, dude. Some pretty bad stuff. And so the biggest problem is... They ran out of money, clearly.
0: Yeah, they, have no, they have no money anymore. Like a, and, s- a sixth of what they had before.
1: Yeah. And to they do stop abandoned, motion movies. To do stop motion, yeah. Ran out of money. They abandoned what was working. They tried to do something different. That didn't work either. They tried to go back to the original stuff, which wasn't the right stuff to go back to. This is where everything gets really convoluted and confusing. Um So Puppet Master 6 is Curse of the Puppet Master, which is the worst Puppet Master (laughs) movie out of all 12. I'm not kidding. This is from our boy, David Dakota or Dakota, whatever. Puppet Master 6. So if you remember, if you remember, Puppet Master 5 ended setting up the nerdy guy to be the Puppet Master now. Cool. This thing throws away all of that. You find the puppets are at, like, a geek show out in the fucking woods by this weird old guy and his daughter. Uh, this, like, weird doctor guy who has these huge fucking hands. And uh, he explains it. He's like, oh, well, we bought this chest in a, a yard sale one time. And the puppets were there. They're alive. And you're just like, all right, that's pretty fucking weak explanation, but okay. Okay. And then uh, they encounter this guy who works at a gas station who pumps the gas named tank. And uh, he's like kind of simple and they let him come live with him because he like makes stuff out of wood. And this guy's like, Oh fuck, this guy can make a, uh, make me a new puppet, the master puppet. Cause apparently this guy's into a master race or something on the sidelines. You have, uh, cops looking for a missing person and this group of dudes who try to rape the daughter, none of which is very interesting. Uh, This movie really fucking sucks because the puppets are in it for, I would say, less than five minutes. Less than five minutes. Uh, You have things like... The guy who gets brought in the house has dreams that he's being turned into a puppet. Like, his stomach is, like, wooden gears. You have this really boring, unnecessary story about these people that you don't fucking care about. Uh, then when you do see the puppets, it is the absolute worst. And like animation that you'll see in the entire series, where it is very clearly a doll that they bought at a store somewhere for 20 bucks. And some guys holding it by the feet and just kind of bobbing it along the camera. Uh, you have that uh, anytime it does show like any actual animation of the puppets. It's footage from previous movies. Right. Uh, And you're like, okay, Uh, there's one cool thing in this where you see, like, so the doctor guy is trying to put humans into the puppets to make a master race for some reason, and you (laughs) see, like, you see, like, one of the previous versions he did, and it's this thing that's, like, kind of a guy, kind of a puppet, and that actually looks really cool. It's, like, this aborted fetus kind of thing. But then you go back to the story, and you have this simple guy who's, like, for the entire fucking movie has been like whittling the perfect puppet out of wood. And then in the very last like sequence, the doctor has him on a table and he's like putting his essence into the puppet that he made. The puppet that he made is a metal robot on like a treadmill, like kind of thing with a TV head. It's never explained. It doesn't make any sense. And the tran like The transmutation, whatever, that doesn't make sense either. A lightning bolt hits the guy and then hits the robot. And then the guy's face is superimposed on the robot's TV face. And then the guy is the robot now. And Mm. he goes around and shoots the doctor and the doctor dies. That is the end of the movie. This is the worst piece of shit. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Is it worse than writing
0: the bullet
1: i never finished writing the bullet this is this is up there i'm gonna say writing the bullet is worse because mick garris fucking sucks but uh this one's this one's pretty bad man it's, is it, it's real bad it's worse than the hidden two the hidden two hidden two is pretty bad too uh this is no this is worse than hidden two is it worse than due date <laughs> Ooh, due dates pretty bad, man. <laughs> what about Leatherheads? <laughs> that one's pretty bad too. What else you got? Uh, Alice
0: in Wonderland, directed by old Tim Burton.
1: No, that's a half star movie. Yeah, I'm Jared's just... reading my half star yeah. movies.
0: Uh, your, what Hei- else? your highness, by your, your buddy
1: uh, David Gordon Green. <laughs> Very bad. Ooh, drink,
0: yeah. Drinking buddies.
1: That that movie's a piece of shit. That movie really sucks. That's on Netflix, and it's ooh.
0: Oof. Uh, the Jared pick of Apollo 13 or Apollo 15?
1: 18. 18, sorry. I can't read it this yeah, size. That one's very bad. Puppet Master's worse. Mm-hmm. Puppet Master 6 is worse than that. Sleepwalkers. Puppet Master 6 is worse. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that
0: there's a big drop by mm-hmm. it, with Puppet Master's to any of these. But uh, yeah, and of course Ninja Turtles.
1: Yep, Puppet Master is worse. Georgia Rule? Puppet Master is worse. (laughs) 2012. Puppet Master, 2012 I gave half a star? Yep. That seems mean. I didn't think that movie was that bad. Well, Puppet Master is worse. (laughs) All right, there you go. Uh, And then we go to... And the rest are Puppet Masters. (laughs) The rest are Puppet Masters. I'll fly through these. The, this is what I think a lot of people argue is the other worst Puppet Master movie, also by Mr. David Dicotta, uh Retro Puppet Master, which I would describe as the worst episode of Doctor Who you'll ever see. This is featuring Greg Sestero from The Room. Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh. This guy got oh. a real movie. Yeah, or a real movie. real movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, this guy got a movie. So Retro Puppet Master uh, tells the story of how Andre Touman learned the Egyptian secret. This thing feels like a BBC made-for-TV Doctor Who Christmas special. Uh, I think Doctor Who is really stupid. I'm just gonna say it. It it is like accessible sci-fi that like people glob onto, but I don't really get it. I've tried. I don't like Doctor Who, whatever. Um, this movie is just like about this guy. Um, he learns how to do things, but he has like prototypes of all the puppets, but they're not the actual puppets. Like they're just wooden versions of all of them, but they're not painted or have their costumes. So that wow. kind of sucks because yeah. it doesn't even have the puppets
0: I, in I it. Can't, I, that must have been really important. And they said, oh man, we have to do it this way because it's the most artistic way possible. It has nothing to do with money or financing. Mm-hmm yep
1: yep but uh there's some really embarrassing stuff in this this one might be the worst too i think uh the other one is worse like the worst but this one could be uh it has like egyptian guys like shooting green fucking lasers out of their hands like trying to get back you find out that in this one the egyptian thing is like it's just like a chemical it's not even a fucking like has anything to do with egyptian culture it's just like some compound whatever uh retro puppet master is pretty bad pretty bad
2: Hmm.
1: not i don't i think the other one's worse but uh either of those two would just be a complete waste of your life watching either of them uh next we have (laughs) puppet master the legacy which uh is not a movie it is a clip show of clips uh five to ten minute clips of puppet masters one to seven with a framing Uh, device with a yeah there's a there's a framing device yeah it's like there's a guy who's working on the puppets and some girl breaks in the house and she's like what do you mean puppets are alive and he like (laughs) they play i'm not kidding you they play an audio cassette recording of uh, Andre Toulon describing how the puppets came to life so they try to put things in chronological order like it goes yeah. retro puppet master to puppet master 3 yeah. to puppet master um 1 1 then puppet master 2 then 4 5 then 4 5 and then 6 so they they try to like they try to get around all those things that they did, but uh, whatever, this movie, it's not a movie. It's well, a clip show. My,
0: so I think from what I was reading the timeline of this too, like this movie got dumped out into like theater after like there was like a yeah. long gap but but the, of there being no puppet masters, but like Charles mm-hmm. Band thought it would be better to like keep it alive by just putting this out, even though like he... <laughs> they hit he had no money at this point like that's what it feels like the 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 state of full moon was like non-existent like it was like actually not happening anymore like he was doing all this like like directive like micro budget film stuff like it was sad it was so sad yeah
1: no that's what it feels like too it's not a movie it's just something that's there and then we go to the Axis trilogy. These are the new Puppet Master movies. Mm-hmm. This one came well, out in twenty. Uh, well,
0: but but in there you're you're forgetting a uh, Puppet Master versus demonic toys because that's. Well, uh,
1: I wa- I watched that one after all of these, but uh, I yeah, sl- I can yeah, yeah, timeline the block, wise so it fits
0: in there because he he needed that he needed some money, so he sold these rights yeah. to Sci-Fi.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he. He sold the rights to sci fi. So you have Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, which is actually a Christmas movie. Um this one stars Corey Feldman as a like ancient descendant of uh Andre Toulon. Uh, and so It's in the future?
0: Uh present day. Oh, so how is he that ancient? Toulon's not that old. He's
1: just, well, like, like a he, present. No, he's he's like the great great grandchild of okay. Andre Tulon. Okay. So yeah, not like yeah, not, okay. <laughs> not ancient. Um anyways. So he's like he has like this gray hair and he's got this like spunky little kid. And so what happens in this movie? Uh Corey Feldman is really bad in this movie, like really, really bad. Uh it's Okay, hold on. I got to think about this. I got to think about this one for a second. Um, he's like trying to recreate the formula because he knows the whole story about the puppets. There is – on at the same time, there is a toy company run by the lady from Kingpin. You know, the lady with the tits mm. from Kingpin? Yeah. She's running a toy company and she wants the uh, Tumon toys. So she is, like, sending spies to steal the toys. Uh, Corey Feldman finally animates them. And then they're alive. They fight them off. But they're all damaged. So Corey Feldman has to uh, fix them. And what his daughter says is they're cooler than ever. They have robot arms now and robot limbs instead of just puppets. They're not cooler. They're way worse. They look stupid. Um, The lady who works at the toy company is working with a demon uh, and she is sold. Her dad sold her soul to give her whatever she wanted. So she works with the demon who has given her the demonic toys. And he actually has like one of the most sinister plans ever. They make all these toys to go out on Christmas to on Christmas day, kill all of the children in the world. Holy shit. Because all of the children it because they are innocent and innocent virgin blood is more powerful than anything in the world. So that's what they're going for, which is actually pretty fucking – it's pretty, uh, pretty ruthless, man. Oh, by the way, David S. Goyer wrote this movie from oh. 2004, a mere four years before he would contribute on The Dark Knight. Well, he wrote Batman
0: uh, Begins a year later.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, – so they're doing that, and then their paths cross later, and uh, the the puppets fight the demonic toys. And it's okay. Like they fight for a little bit. It's more than more puppet action than we've had in a while, which is, something at least but at the end of the day you're just like man i really just wanted the puppets and the demonic toys to really fucking fight each other for like for real you know you do have a cool scene where pinhead squishes the head of the baby and that's cool and then the demon is running around and it's okay but uh i don't know man it's i can't recommend it to people even if you like demonic toys i don't think you could watch this thing it's it's a made for tv special that isn't even that good
2: Hmm.
1: so i'm gonna run through this quick the axis trilogy this is puppet masters 9 through 11 and uh so puppet master x axis uh what wait what is this even fucking (coughs) um axis of evil yeah so this one actually the first 10 minutes are the first 10 minutes of the first puppet master movie oh boy and so this one picks. Uh, so this movie takes place in like '41 or whatever. And Andrew Andre Toulon kills himself, and then a guy in the hotel goes in and finds the puppets in the wall. He just knows to look for them in the in the hidden portion portion of the wall. He takes them home. He's an American, and then uh, what you have is a movie where the puppets don't exist, and you have this American guy trying to fight the Nazis and the Japs. So he's in America, and he works in a factory or some something, and he discovers a plan where the Nazis and the Japanese are trying to infiltrate America from the inside. What you find is you have this guy make a uh, – he discovers a ninja puppet because, of course, the ninja puppet has to fight one of the Japanese guys later because that's more appropriate Jared. right?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, this one is all sorts of horrible this is a half star movie it's unwatchable it's shot on like new digital cameras and it just looks cheap and the puppets aren't like the puppets aren't in any of these movies they're just like it's like Charlie Brand like trying to tell his like World War 2 movies and there's also puppets there but not really Whew. Ah, uh, so that one's really bad. And then next, two years later, you had Puppet Master X, number ten, Axis Rising. Uh, this one is really, really boring. Uh, but this one, you at least have some puppet action. Uh, it's better than the. Uh, it's better than the the other one. Uh, the Nazis create their own puppets. They have like a tank one. They steal the boob uh, bazooka thing from Austin Powers. Um so they have like a a nazi female who's a puppet that fights. Uh there is a werewolf puppet and then they have a, ja- a very racist Japanese puppet who is like a kamikaze thing mm. with Japanese eyes and he just runs around going like oh and like trying to blow stuff up. Um this one the plot of this is it's it's just the same as the first one. It's the kid and uh they're on to him now, so he goes and they fight again. This one's also very bad. Hmm. And then we come to the last one, Jared. For now. For now. This is what it's all been building to: Puppet Master Axis Termination, which came out last year. This is the one that I said uh, best of the Axis trilogy, but that's just like saying it's the best piece of shit out of a pile. Ah, there we go. Yeah. So this one's a little weird. Uh, The Americans have a group of psychics led by a young or not young, a little person who is a psychic of some some kind, and they have seances and they try to find ways to fight the Nazis. I don't know, man. At this point in my life, I can't I couldn't even watch them anymore. I was just on the couch. I wasn't even looking at my phone. I was just staring at the ceiling as this thing played. Because I just couldn't watch these anymore. These three recent ones are some of the worst things you'll ever fucking see in your entire life. They're all bad. 6 through 12 are all bad. And that's what I did. Do life. I regret it? Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Hmm.
1: I'm a bad person. And everyone, anyone who has listened to this, you're, you're a worse person now too for yeah. having listened to it.
0: Um, you know, like I said, like after you finished watching Nine, I think I said I almost respect you now, and I stand by Moe's words. Almost, almost, almost. Um, while there is a another Puppet Master coming out uh, later, yeah. the, it's I think it's already in the festivals. It's going to be uh, coming out, uh, I think, later this summer. This apparently has nothing to do with Charles Band somehow. Uh, Good. So Good. that's that's a plus. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, based on a screenplay by one, uh, Z- uh, S. Craig Zoller.
1: S. Yes. Mm-hmm. My boy. I, I wonder if he like wrote this a long time ago and now that he's like big, they're like, oh yeah, we had that script in the, yeah. on the shelf. I mean, based on the description, I mean, it's, it's like, there's no, this
0: is, will easily be probably the best puppet master movie. Like. It'd be at it sounds, some, well, it's going to have puppets in it. So, yeah. And it sounds like it's just a bloodbath and it's like Nazis yep. and stuff like that. So, I, whatever. It's by default. It is what I mean, it is. It'd be impossible for it to be worse than any one puppet master. Than movie. any of them. Yeah. The bar is yep. so low that it's like, oh yeah, here's a movie. It just exists. It's better. Mm-hmm. So.
1: I can't believe that there are so many of these.
0: Uh, it's incredible, right? I can't right? believe it. it it's, it's like there's more of these, I think, than
1: uh, Friday the Thirteenth right like what are we doing with so, our lives that people have been do making these i know you Tra- know charle's band i mean
0: he's uh he's so american i mean it's about business and getting ahead making money mm. making movies telling stories My God. he's uh look at him look at that mm. look, this 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 project we just underwent and we didn't even manage to watch every single one of the full moon entertainments and there's like hundreds of his movies Produced. He has 142 credits. Produc- produced production credits? Production credits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's something else. Um, speaking of Charles Band, might as well leave this here yep. at the end. Uh, uh-huh. here, here are like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to call it top five, but here are five shitty things Charles Band has done. Because the other thing that like, coming kind of late into my like, really embracing my love of horror movies and stuff like that, like and this was like probably in the early two, 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 2010s really. Mm-hmm. when I decided i want to be a horror movie fan. Uh, I didn't really know Charles Band that well, other than like, I know that guy's name, and I think he makes those puppet movies. That was about mm-hmm. it. But like ever since then, it seems like every time I've ever heard, read stories about Charles Band, it's always been in a negative light. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he makes puppet master movies. No, yeah. it's like his sleazy movie practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, in preparation for this episode, I did listen to a, an interview that... Um, Killer POV did, like, several years ago with him. And he comes off as just, like, the nicest guy. Like, he seems very genuine. And, like, uh, I'm, like, totally, like, oh, this guy, like, seems pretty decent. And Mm -hmm. then, like, uh, something else came along. Everyone seems to, like, like him that work with him for the most part. And then I was, like, but then I was, like, thinking, I'm, like, wait a minute. There was, there was like those shitty things he did way back when. Like number, so I have number five, I guess I would have is him just like ripping off Jack Kirby and like using him as, yeah. like a, as a prop when he's like talking about some of these movies. And it's like, well, did you, did you pay the Kirby estate any amount of money for any of these things? Since you love Jack Kirby so much. And mm-hmm. I'm positive the answer there would be no, because you know what? Yeah. Marvel Comics doesn't fucking probably pay the Kirby estate very much money either. Um. Mm-hmm. So whatever, I mean, what, I'm not going to hold Charles Band to a higher like level than Disney, but the way he talks about Jack Kirby in this like fawning mm-hmm. terms and he's got like this like Marvel comic star all over his walls that everyone notes are reproductions. <laughs> like they're not like, I'm like, mm-hmm. so wherever those came from. Um so number 4 I'd have is the the Puppet Master Blu-ray collection. So what that means is uh, there was a period of time when Charles Band did not have access to the first 3 Puppet Master movies because those belonged to Paramount. But mm. at some point Charles Band started to sell Puppet Master Blu-rays I guess or DVD collections mm-hmm. that were complete sets. And then Paramount told him to stop. You can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he had this thing where he was saying, "Okay, well, I can only sell them till I run out of the ones I have in the warehouse. But he was selling copies that he was waiting to sell out of the warehouse for like a decade. <laughs> And he'd be nice. going he'd be going to conventions with this thing talking about these are the last few copies. He'd mm-hmm. sell out. People would come up and say, Hey, oh, I missed it. Do you think you have any? Well, I might. If you pay me mm. right now, when I get back to the to the warehouse, I'll check and see if I find any more copies. And sure well, how's that work? Sure enough, he always finds more copies. And he was pulling this mm. fucking hustle. Because you know he was just making them. Like he was manufacturing these goddamn yeah. things. And just like kept going and going and going and he's doing this forever um yeah so that's uh yeah that, that's sc- scummy because he was charging premium prices and one i didn't even note on here was uh recently there was like uh the empire pictures collection he put out so uh with empire he put out like this 250 dollar blu-ray set that has like all, like 30 empire pictures movies in one go which is like that's kind of cool uh, the thing though, is that essentially what he did was he made a box and then he went mm-hmm. and got like copies of like the Scream Factory Blu-rays <laughs> and just put them in the box. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the great special edition collection you're buying is like, it's a box with a bunch of copies of the movie that like at full price, at full, like full retail prices, not at sale mm-hmm. prices. It's like, <laughs> it's so like, it's, it's. What, what money would he make off of that? Off the box, like if he gets those DVDs for cheap enough, if he's like if he gets free copies and he's just selling them, oh, okay. And and there's because a lot of the stuff he does, there's some stuff he does own, but a lot of his stuff he's just like compiling after the fact and selling for Mm -hmm. cheap. So, yeah, I don't know. Very, uh, I'm sure he makes money on the shipping too. Um, so then there's uh, Full Moon Streaming, which is the stream, (laughs) the the streaming platform. And uh, I don't know if this is shitty, this is something like I don't really like. So, Mm -hmm. in doing this episode. I was looking at that full moon streaming as a, as a access because mm-hmm. like everything's on there. like it's all there. Mm-hmm. and it's like 699. Uh, you can actually do it legitimately through amazon. Pro- uh, amazon Prime. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it costs the exact same amount. It's on there, at least in the States. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I was like going through it, looking at full moon streaming. And I was looking at how you have to do it. And you have to like, you sign up and there's like all these little deals. It's like, well, if you pay like three months in advance, you'll get three DVDs for free and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. whatever. But I was like going to go pay for it. And then I hit this thing where it takes you to this like third party called like CCS banking. I'm like, I've never Mm -hmm. heard of this before. And I'm like, wait, if I do this, I put my credit card number in. How do I cancel And I look Mm -hmm. at the FAQ and I'm reading. and It seems like, yeah, you can just cancel it on the website here. And if you have any other issues, you have to go through CCS banking. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh. So I was like doing a quick search. I'm like, what are people's experiences with full moon streaming? And sure enough, there's talk (laughs) of people getting billed after they've canceled. And I'm like, yeah, no thanks. I I don't need that in my life. So Mm -hmm. if you need it though, Amazon Prime is probably the way to do it. Uh, if you need it. If you need it. And hey, we've given you like at least like, I think five movies you could watch for $6.99. That's totally <laughs> worth it. And after that, it, you, you can watch Ginger Dead Man and Evil Bong mm-hmm. and all those classics. Yep. Tourist Trap. Um, so he released, oh. so he owns Tourist Trap. He put this movie out on Blu-ray uh, finally because it was on DVD forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Blu-ray comes out. It's five minutes short. There's like five minutes of the movie that's just not there anymore. And he was trying to pawn it off as a director's cut and explaining that there's a reason why, but no, none of those things hold any sway. It's just like, no, we put out a substandard version of the movie and uh, it doesn't even look hmm. very, it's like not even like a really a great restoration, but he just, he'll take your fucking money.
1: Well, that sucks. The,
0: number one for me, though, is uh, selling bootleg VHS tapes under the guise of selling originals. So this one, like a, a guy on YouTube put together like a whole like series breaking down how this is complete crap. So one day, mm-hmm. and this is like a few years ago, Charles Band posts on his site that, hey, guys, guess what? I just found a warehouse filled with original VHS boxes. And what I'm going to do mm-hmm. is I'm going to repress all your favorite movies and you can have have them in in, in the big boxes. The big VHS yeah. boxes. Not the old little ones that everyone knows, but the big boxes. It's like awesome. People will be really happy. They're like like fifty dollars a piece. Ugh. And like but like under the idea that they're like original. But they're not. And like this guy does this whole breakdown, showing them side by side, showing the additions, showing mm-hmm. the paper quality is different. They're super glossy in a way that they shouldn't be. Like it looks very contemporary. There's like logos yeah. and dates on it that don't make sense. It's just like total like fuck off. Like
1: and he, you know, he, what's funny? Hmm. I, I didn't mention it, but when I was watching *Sorority Babes* and *The Slime Ball*, there was a 20-minute-long bumper promo before the movie that which featured like 6 or 7 previews of other movies yeah. and then it had this huge thing about uh Full Moon Toys like online. with that one was actually cool. It was all about puppet master toys, but I th- I th- I thought it was so weird. I was like, what is this thing? Like so, this 20 minute long promo before a movie. Uh ah, that's like the old VHS
0: days. They would that's what they would yeah. do and it's all about 20 minutes? That's a lot. That's cause, well, you can always fast forward. <laughs> That's I idea. did yeah it was still 20 minutes I know well you gotta fill that Anyways. tape I guess but yeah I mean one thing that we didn't even talk about at all uh, is like I guess like one of the things that uh, you could credit Charles Band with kind of like normalizing was uh, th- there, he had the the magazine that he would put at the end of all these tapes uh, the video zone oh, and they were all the making ofs of these movies that that's would, cool. Yeah, which is like Paramount didn't want them because they're like that costs money mm-hmm. and that takes this much up on the tape. And we have to that, that much more tape, that's 25 cents a tape. That's times by 50,000. That costs us the tens of thousands of dollars to put like this crap on that no one wants. But he thought it was like mm-hmm. really cool to have it because it just added like, oh, here's some behind the scenes stuff. It doesn't really cost that much to shoot, but yeah, he was a proponent of it. So I mean, like up until that point, if you wanted special features, you were watching your Criterion laserdiscs cuz that's where mm-hmm. uh, that's where special features were found, not on VHS tapes. So, yeah, there was like one there's like one thing that he did he did that wasn't shitty and or mm-hmm. a puppet master movie or selling people like bootleg VHS tapes for like $50 a piece. What a guy. What a guy. And then, I mean, so when you, are you start ordering those uh, comics in, all the Puppet Master comics, Ugh. there's five trades. I
1: want, I want a one-for-one scale uh, pinhead and a one-for-one scale torch, and I want them for free because of what I had to go through. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That seems fair there was also I forgot to mention there was a point like one to five puppet masters uh, pinheads arms were actual real human arms yeah and then six to twelve it was it's just the doll whatever doll Aww. they can buy and it really takes the magic away from it because that was my favorite part was seeing the real human male hands like adult fucking size of your face hands g- coming out at people it's so special and they and they blew it <sighs> Well, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I think we're bad people.
0: <laughs> more more time given over to Charles
1: and Puppet Mastery. No one will ever do this again, and no one ever wanted us to do this to begin with. Very true.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you've been listening. This is uh, Criterion Creeps. <laughs> this is Ghoul School. Uh, You can email us at CriterionCreeps at gmail.com And tell us your thoughts about Charles Band And puppet movies (laughs) That are half star movies Uh Um, And thanks for listening for four hours Um, We're on Facebook We're on Instagram Letterboxd I'm Jerry Mm -hmm. Duncan He's Barnloaf Um, We're on Stitcher iTunes uh, Google Play YouTube all those good things. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, tune in for our regular Wednesday episodes. They get posted at least on Wednesday nights, uh, where we talk about those Criterions. This week, we're going to be talking about something called Scarlet Empress. I've seen the movie before. RJ hasn't. It's, I think, a far cry from from Puppet Master 6, Curse of the Puppet People.
1: Curse of the Puppet Master. Get it right, fucker.
0: I'm done. Um, I'm done here. You got any final things? Any words of wisdom?
1: I'm done forever. I honestly don't think I'm ever going to watch a movie again. Ever. Wow.
0: Bold statement. Uh Uh-huh. Good night,
1: folks. I'm dead.